Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Good afternoon to you. It's three minutes past midday. It's Thursday, September the 29th, 2022 with Stephen McIver in for Staffy this afternoon till four. And a, a busy-ish old day this afternoon. After one o'clock, we're going to talk to Sarah Hedony, uh, the Blackfern Loose Ford, about their campaign, which is not too far away. I was just looking at the draw for the uh, Rugby Women's World Cup. And the opening day has a triple header at Eden Park. How good is that for value for money at Eden Park? Three for the price of one. Well, here's hoping that is the case anyway. After two o'clock, we're going to talk to uh, Kiwi Navigator Paul Berber. You wouldn't know who Paul Berber and his driver Todd Bourdain are, but they're one of many, many New Zealand drivers that are competing in Rally New Zealand, Repco Rally New Zealand, this weekend, starting with the, the special stage around the domain in Auckland today. There's only about 20 WRC1 and WRC2 cars going around. They're, they're the hot shots. And then there's about 50 other cars still running in the New Zealand Rally Championship. So Paul and, and his uh, driver, Todd Bourne, one they're driving a very nice R5 Ford Focus. So we'll talk to them, uh, Paul, after two o'clock this afternoon. After three, my good mate and rugby league commentator and podcaster on Andy Raymond Unfiltered talks about the Parramatta Eels, his passionate team, also about the Dally M's and who wins the grand final. So there's a lot to come in. All the way through this afternoon, you know I want you to call 0800 150811 or text on the Temper Bedpost text line on double eight double three. So let's get going. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! 12.05 and in midday madness today... To stadium or not to stadium, which is the best, which is the worst, and do you really care? You see, in the papers today, it was released that because of the Women's Football World Cup next year, Eden Park will be locked out for one of the All Blacks Rugby Championship matches against the Springboks. So, yes, it looks like Mount Smart Stadium is up for grabs. And then suddenly I sat, so I sat down with producer Sam and said, is there an argument in this? He said, you watch this. Sure enough. Sam gets on Twitter and away it goes. Why is Eden Park better? Why is Mount Smart a better stadium for an experience? So I want to know what you think. Have you been to either stadium? And what was your experience like? Now I can honestly say the experiences for me are completely different. So I've been to a rugby test at Eden Park. And I'll be blunt with you. 
Rugby union fans do not know how to support a team consistently through 80 minutes. In fact, I wanted to walk out after about 40 minutes because there was no reason for me to be there. The test was okay, but I want that full experience. I don't want to be paying ridiculous amounts of money for food and beverage, and the walk there, as much as it was fun, is a pain in the backside. Now, you're going to say, oh, yes, McIver's going to go on about Mount Smart Stadium. Well, I've spent a lot of time in Mount Smart Stadium, but I can tell you that the fan experience is a completely, completely different ballgame. Footy fans, as I like to call them, never stop. Whether the team is winning or losing, they never stop supporting the team. It's always loud. It's always vocal. Nick Brown, who is the ground announcer, is constantly exhorting fans to make noise, defence, offence, the whole nine yards. Their food and beverages, the best selection's great. The prices are probably the same. And there's plenty more parking too. Oh, you can argue that it might be in the middle of an industrial area, but it is still a great environment. That's the difference. But what do you think? Do you think one is better than the other? And tell me why. And be rational about it. Because some of Sam's uh, well, replies to a tweet have been pretty bloody average, to be fair. And there's just very myopic views. Are you myopic about it? And here's the other thing. Don't think that the Auckland City is going to get another national stadium because the, the city's bust financially. Where are you going to find probably a billion dollars? The only way that's going to happen is by private equity. And then maybe, just maybe, the council giving the land for now or for whatever deal they want. So tell me what you think on Midday Madness about your stadium experience. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Tell me if it was a good one. Tell me if it was a bad one. I don't care what sport you support. I want to know why. And are you a rugby fan happy? Happy to go to Mount Smart Stadium next year to follow your team against the Springboks in a stadium that's probably going to capacity about 15,000 less than Eden Park. 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hi, how are you, Stephen? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. you about something completely different, but just on the uh, issue that you're discussing at the moment, I'd say people are different. The reason I say that is um, I've got great connections to the Pacifica people. I spent a lot of time time with an adopted family there. And the passion on all Pacific fields is a completely different dimension to what you get in rugby union fields, cricket fields, or any other type of venue. Um, a different type of people, not as passionate. So obviously you get a different environment. But look, what I ran to say to you was something absolutely different. I rang to say that I don't always agree with you, but you, Stephen, are the bravest man that I ever saw in a boxing ring. I've had a lot to do with boxing, done a little bit myself, and the time I saw you fight in the fight for life, I thought to myself, this guy hasn't got a clue. He doesn't know how to fight. Was that the first and but, second one? But, but my God, mate, when you fought Clint Brown, it oh. was the bravest exhibition that I have ever seen. Mate, it only lasted 49 you know? seconds, that one. I got the first one and then it's thought amazing. I was pretty pretty cool it's and he whacked mate. me. It's, 
so much power and size advantage. Or what the hell is this wee guy doing? In the- oh, that's why I went back. For, that's why I went back for the third one, mate. Just to just to know that I could last at least three three rounds. Oh, mate, no, no. In my book, you're a hero, and I've seen some pretty good fighters. And uh, it's you know. It's not how much ability you've got, it's how much heart you've got. Oh, well, mate, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Where are you calling from today? Christchurch. So, what, so are you a rugby or are you a rugby league supporter? I'm a rugby man primarily, but I've played both games. Okay. Actually, so here, here's, and enjoyed both of them immensely. Here's the thing. Do you, do you think rugby fans just don't get it? They're not consistent when it's supporting the All Blacks or or a rugby team. Or is it, you know, I mean, if you're a Crusaders supporter, are you constantly yelling? No, I'm a Crusaders supporter, but I, I don't think that uh, uh, basically, I hate to say this, I I'm, uh, don't have a racist drop of blood in my body, but I don't think a basically European audience is passionate as an audience that has a very, very large of uh, Pacifica people. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah, I see. I could argue that point if you look at the Warriors supporters, right? The mix is thing, and I don't think you, you got to. You got. I'll be blunt with you. You got to be careful on that call because you are sort of. I know where you're coming from, but I, I just think it's. I think it's a a cultural thing in the sense of that rugby culture versus the rugby league culture, right? I think that's where it comes yeah, down. A bit of an old, old, old boys network, you mean, sort of thing. Yeah, the go- you know, do the golf clap, and if it's not going, if it's not going right. All of that. You you got it right, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, Stephen, and I sort of grudgingly have to agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, don't don't be grudging. It's, it's it's a fact, and it sits in front of us. Brian, thanks for giving me a call, and thanks thanks for the uh, sentiment too, mate. Okay, mate. Brian from Christchurch, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Actually, you know what? The the one other group that we shouldn't forget when it comes to support are the Phoenix supporters because they are more like you will see in English football where they the noise is constant because they know how much difference that makes to a team. It's an interesting one. But when it comes to support, we're talking stadiums here though, right? What is the better experience for you? And have you been to a stadium offshore and wish you had that experience at either Mount Smart or Eden Park. Zaid, how are you, bud? Hello. Yeah, I'm here, mate. Um, I think yeah, Eden Park for me, it's a bit, uh, it's a better stadium. It's a, it's a bigger stadium. Um, but does that raining, but, 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 if it's raining, it's um, you're more likely to get a covered seat. Um, like I, I, I always go to Eden Park, and I always pretty much, um, it's always a lot easier to get a covered seat. Um, where Mount Smart, it's a lot open, so if it's raining, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get wet. Um, I live out west Auckland, so it's a lot easier to get to Eden Park um, to to drive there and transport because it's pretty hard to get transport to Penrose. Um, and well, there, there is a, there's a train that there's a train that stops out on the the road out there that's pretty about two minutes walk from it. So I'll, I'll question that one, but that's okay. That's how you how yeah, you. Too. What about okay? So what about the fan experience for you when you go to Eden Park? Do you feel you get enough as a fan? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good on Saturday at the All Blacks. Okay, explain to me what they did. Explain to me what they did to make that experience better for you. 
Well, it was it was pretty loud. The the fans were into the game. No, 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 no. What did the ground? What did the what did New Zealand rugby do for you as a fan? Did you walk in? Did they did they offer you bangers? Did they offer you flags? Uh, um, every time the um the All Blacks scored, they had the heaters going off. Yeah, no, no, that's not. Yeah, that but you can, that that happens all over the place. I mean, I'm talking about you as a fan. What did you get extra that you wouldn't normally expect? Uh, yeah, there you go. Right. That's what I'm saying, yeah. mate. That's all I'm saying. Like if you were, if you had a family, you go to a Warriors game. There's bouncy castles. There's all sorts of face painting. There's there's interactive displays. That's what I'm saying about when I talk about fan experience. Do you understand? I guess there is usually there is usually flags at the All Blacks or the Blues games. If you if you want a flag, I guess. Okay, so right. but okay. Here's another question for you: Was there constant noise? Was the now it's easy when you're winning, right? Because the fan the fans are always going to go. But when it was. Was there constant noise when, when maybe the Australians were on the attack? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. All right. Good. Thank you. No. I, I, I have been to better experiences um, overseas. Um, the best ever crowd I've been to is Marvel Stadium, UFC, Israel, Adesanya, Robert Whitaker. You can't beat that. Um, the Gab is real good for cricket. I've been to a few. Yeah. A few big bash games when Brendan McCullum was playing. Yeah, okay. That's, that's a real good experience. So, so, so like, what, um, what was different about those, though? Because, you know, that's an interesting one to compare uh, the, the match and stadium. So when you when you uh, went to the Gabba, for instance, to watch a big bash, is, it, is there constant noise? Is, there, is, the, is the ground that's a constant get, cheering people to go on? Or do, do you get freebies? All that sort of stuff to make your day uh, and get better value for money. Yeah, like they get like kids more that involved and stuff. And they, like... Um, uh, like I uh, do like a lot more music and they um, always have like the kiss cam and like more fans involved. Um, like my dad always like says like it's a lot easier to get bears over there. Like the bear <laughs> queues here are like always real slow. And like we went to Eden Park the other day and my dad was grabbing some bears and people were just walking straight through the bear queue to get to their seats. And, yeah. Like, yeah. And like Aussie, they, they give out bears a lot easier. Um, okay. I no, no. The no. atmosphere is like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot better. Okay, um, so but, so you've you've answered your own question. I appreciate. No, I'm glad you gave me those other examples, Zaid, because you've answered yeah. your own question. Thanks for calling, mate. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. I've got Darren from Melbourne waiting, and also Adam. So stick around. This is midday madness. It's twelve seventeen on SENZ afternoons with Stephen. Twelve twenty one with Stephen McIver in for Staffy. Midday madness. We're comparing Mount Smart Stadium against Eden Park, and let me be quite blunt about Eden Park. It's in the middle of a residential area. Just want to say that. Stuff all parking. It's a cavern. Viewing's not great. Prices are expensive. And when you go to a footy match, a a rugby match, it's deathly quiet because someone said, uh, just texted me, Brian on the Temper Bedpost text line. I watched the test on TV and I noticed when we scored and they scanned the ground, a lot of people were just sitting like they're at a funeral. We need to loosen up and show some emotion. Yes, Brian, exactly. Let's go to Melbourne. G'day, Darren. Thanks for waiting. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Well, what's your take on this? Um, I went to Mount Smart a couple of months ago for the first time and, uh, just comparing the two, I've been to Eden Park many times, and Eden Park, when the All Blacks are playing, there's just some aura about it. It's just an amazing place once you get there. Um, I'll agree with you, getting there and leaving is just a nightmare. It's probably the worst stadium I've ever been to for that. Um, but Mount Smart, I just found real boutique, real close, um, a bit more basic, if I could say that. 
Um, but I, I think it'll be a great experience. I would, I wouldn't have any issue um, substituting. But you, but, but you know the big you know the big problem with Mount Smart and rugby. Rugby won't offer you anything extra than they offer at Eden Park because it's not being run by the Warriors, who understand, as does rugby league, full stop, that it's all about the fan. I definitely agree with that. I um, 2019, I went to Twickenham to watch uh, England Ireland Six Nations, and I kid you not, it was the best experience I've ever had at a rugby match. It was just phenomenal. It was like a, it was a game within a game. <laughs> so, 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 so explain to me that, because I, it, it intrigues me what you get offshore as opposed to what we are receiving here in New Zealand. Well, when you walk to the game, you're walking up streets, as you would in Eden Park, but the difference is everyone's front yard has a vendor in it selling <laughs> food, um, scarves, memorabilia, hats, so there's this great vibe. People are chatting, buying, you know, eating. So, you know, that's the, you haven't even got to the stadium yet. And then once you get to the stadium, I kid you not, if you have to wait one minute for a beer, you're in a bad queue. It's everywhere sells beer. There's no restrictions. There's heaps of places for food. It's cheap. Emphasise on that it's cheap. It's not super expensive. Like, they haven't got their own currency that's required for it. <laughs> and, and then when you get into the game... Everyone's just chanting. Everyone's like yeah. so engaged, but then they're not. They're, there's, there's moments where they just come off the game, talk about something else. They're still watching, and then back into it. It's it's like a crescendo almost. It's um, uh, you I, know, I just found it you know, Darren, I understand what you're saying about the All Blacks, and you go to an All Black test. And there's an awe about it, but I think that's an historical emotion, right? I think I think there needs to be a greater showing of emotion and support constantly, because that's what in my and I, I simply use English football as an example. Passionate, oh, fa- passionate fans consistently make a noise and have fun. Someone said to me that they were at the, at a game. Where was it? Oh, I think it's in one of these things here. They're told to shush at a rugby match because they're making noise. How does that work? How does that work oh. when you're trying to support a team? Because you know that the footy players would love more. Hey, by the way, you're calling from Melbourne, and I've only been once to a AFL game, but I've got to say, AFL fans are like EPL fans. They are bonkers and so fun to be around. Oh, I went to my first AFL game this year after being here. 25 years, and um, they just don't shut up. <laughs> they just absolutely never, they're, they're always just yapping on about who's got the ball and what. It was, it was quite interesting. So, mate, yeah, mate, I, mate, I, I agree. For... I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, you carry on, you carry on, please. The one thing I was going to say is that I think the most noise that I heard out of Eden Park on the weekend was when they were bloody booing um, when, you know, when they're trying to kick, which I can't stand. So... I think they're going to turn it around. Oh, look, it's, but it's that tribalism. See, the booing's part of tribalism. I don't have a problem with that, right? It's when there's, when, it's when there's abusive players, that's when I have a problem. Darren, I really appreciate you calling in from Melbourne, mate. Have an awesome day. Thanks, mate. Bye. Adam's on the line at 1227-0800-150811. What's your stadium experience like? Which do you prefer, Mount Smart Stadium or Eden Park? Tell me why, what your fan experience is like, because you're paying a lot of money to go to these places. Well, not so much when you go to a footy match because it's far better deal and far better entertainment. But tell me what you think, 0800-150811. G'day, Adam. 
How are we doing, Stephen? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I, I tell you what, you and Darren just wrapped that up in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the experience, the only experience in two test matches I've been to Eden Park that you could claim would be arguably watching the Hucker live. Yep. Um, other than that, which is obviously not given to you by NZ Rugby, I don't really see anything. Um, I haven't I haven't had the chance to go to Mount Smart personally, um, but I've spent a bit of time in the UK and been to quite a few Tottenham Hotspur Premier League games, and <laughs> nothing has compared in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and absolutely nothing. And and they talk about it being the national game, but they do absolutely nothing to promote it. They they rely on the game itself to promote it. And as we know, the game's all over the place at the moment. You know, people have forgotten, they've already forgotten about the, the Ian Foster drama because they've won the rugby championship. It's, you know, it's, it's silent into, into silence. But when I go to a, an event, which is very rare to be fair, uh, I, I want to be entertained constantly because I want to walk away and go, how good was that for the money I spent and more as an experience, it sh- every time you go to a big game, it should be an event. And I don't think rugby in this country treats their fo- their their code as an event. No, well, yeah, the, the ground experience is what's severely lacking, which is, as you say, is driven from whatever sport is, is taking that, that time up. But um, anything over there, like even a relegation game, like the types of food, the, the beer lines, as mentioned before, Everything is just streamlined. You can have whatever you like. The experience is probably world-class, really, um, and probably as close as you get to that sort of festival American sort of style. Well, yeah, here's... Um, the, is, is, like NFL and the like. Yeah, well, well Sam, Sam was talking about this, and just briefly about the Atlantic Falcons, because he's been to an NFL game at the Atlanta Falcons. He says the ticket prices are such that they've got an attitude that the when you're buying food and stuff, you're not paying through the nose because they've already clipped the ticket on your, your coming into the stadium. So they're not going to try and screw you anymore on food. Now, that is something I like. I like that attitude. It's all about the fan. Yeah, well, you could, you could happily have that same price they have currently for an All Blacks test and just provide, I don't know, one meal with your ticket or something like that, you know what I mean, where it actually draws people in to be there for more than the 80 minutes. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Hey, where are you calling from today, Adam? The mighty South Canterbury. The mighty South Canterbury. All right, buddy, you have a, a lovely time. Now, hang on. South Canterbury, is is can you uh, is Timaru in South Canterbury? Is Timaru considered yeah. South Canterbury or North Otago? Well, certainly South Canterbury. Okay, well, I'll be down there in a couple of weeks at Levels Raceway, so turn some weather on me for me, will you? No worries at all. All right, mate. That's Adam calling from uh, South Canterbury. It is half past 12. Here's Johnny. Listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah. 12.32 with a reset on Midday Madness and what we are talking about with the All Blacks going to have to play because of the Women's World Cup locking out Eden Park at Mount Smart Stadium next year and the Rugby Championship against the Springboks. And we've been getting your ideas on which is the better stadium which is the better stadium to go to and enjoy? Now, I've made it quite clear that when you go to Mount Smart Stadium, you are in a better, more boutique atmosphere and you can see everything. Uh, the fan experience is better. There is so much more for families and their children to do. There is a greater selection of food. The prices are probably similar to Eden Park, but you get better bang for your buck as an experience. Now, people will complain that it, it is in a 
industrial area. Well, the train runs, uh, what's that? I don't even know what the road is, but like you can jump on a train and you'll be there in a five-minute walk to the main gates outside the Western Grandstand or uh, the Northern Grandstand, Eastern Grandstand, excuse me. Eden Park? Yeah, you can you can train into Sandringham, then you've got to walk through residential areas. Parking is crap, full stop. Yeah, there's no point. You've, they, the, with tickets, you can get public transport, which is, has always been a great idea. Uh, the queues are ridiculous, as callers are telling us. The food's expensive. The food's average. What did um, what did Chris Ratu say? So it's a, ch- a graveyard with chips. A graveyard mm. with chips. Yeah, and it's in the middle of a residential area. Now, we can't we, this, that's not really the argument. The argument is which is the better place to enjoy for me. And I know Sam's going to say the same thing. It is Mount Smart Stadium, and it, it also comes down to this: we don't need in this country a fifty thousand seater because it's not always full. And we don't have sports that continually keep it full. I would rather have, I'd rather bowl the damn thing, and if you can't put it on the waterfront, keep it there, and build a nice 40,000 seater, 35,000 seater. Look what they've done in Central, I mean, and we have to remember, we're only a, a city of about one and a half million people. But look what they've done in Sydney with Combat Stadium and Allianz Stadium. Mm. 35, 44, I think uh, 40, 30. 40, and I think Allianz is about 42, yeah. 45. So, yeah. But they're just nice boutique stands where you can see from everywhere. So if you have an, a thought on that, 0800 150811, which do you prefer? 0800 150811. Sam, what's your read on this? Well, Obviously, we had the conversation out in the office this morning. I posted it up on Twitter as a bit of a poll just because I was interested. I knew majority of people were going to select Eden Park and because they're rugby fanboys and a lot of them all stick together and they just want to pick it because they're loyal to it, right? But like, I can remove myself from the sports. I can take yeah. rugby league and rugby out of it, right? Now, both stadiums, we probably should preface this by saying that both stadiums, in my mind, are not when you compare them to what's going on around the world and in other countries and new stadiums that are being built, they are far, far behind. So we can put that out there right off the bat. Yep. Both of them have a lot of deficiencies. However, when I'm picking between the two, and let's look at location. Now, if you live out west or if you live close to Eden Park, you'll probably say that is easier to get to in terms of your trains or if you're coming off the western. But for a lot of other people, pretty much anywhere else, and for me living up north or North Shore, Silverdale, Going on the motorway and getting off straight at Mount Smart and then going straight into a car park versus either A, driving to Eden Park by having to park millions of miles away and walking, or taking a bus into the city and then a train out to the ground. So you're having to get on two forms of public mm-hmm. transport and taking about twice the time, right, because you're stopping at every stop to let people off. Um, I think Mount Smart wins that, that particular argument. Then you talk about, someone mentioned to me, oh, well, there's a lot of bars and restaurants around Eden Park. Well, Sandringham, right? Is that Sandringham? In Sandringham, yeah. yeah. Oh, Kingsland. Kingsland. Oh, gosh. If Excuse that's, me. If that's what you like to do, if you're someone who likes to go to a pub before a game or go to a pub after a game, then I can see why that's important to you. For me, that's not. I go to a game before it starts, well before it starts, for curtain raises, et cetera, or buy a beer or get something to eat at the ground. That's, my, that's how I sort of consume. Once again, you can do that just as easy at Mount Smart, so the whole pub nearby thing doesn't really apply to me. Now, talk about the actual stadium itself. Eden Park, to me, is a terrible stadium. What is it built for? 
Is it built for rugby? Is it built for cricket? Is it built for football? It's trying to do all these different things, right? And ironically, in my mind, one of the best events that has been at that stadium over the last, say, 10 years was a cricket match at a venue that's not even designed for cricket. In fact, internationally, it's the only it only has international status for cricket because it has had that for like 20 years. But per the standards of field, uh, field size, it doesn't fit. ICC regulations. So it's not even made for cricket, yet that was the best event. Why? Because of two things. A, the crowd, and B, the result. So the crowd does add to the experience, like almost majority of it is comes from the crowd and every event, everything I've been to at Eden Park apart from that cricket semi-final the crowd has been so dull and so laid back put it down to the sport but also put it down to the fact that for most people you are sitting 40 metres away from the ground way too far you know away. whereas at Mount Smart you're right up close against it then we talk about the food and the drink if you're miserable about the prices and the lines and the drinks you're miserable when you're sitting down it's like everything is a perfect storm for when you get into Eden Park, just not being that into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've been there. I've been yeah. there and had to stand. And I went to the Lions when the Lions were here. Well, that was see, that was actually good though. Well, but it was the Lions fans who created that. Well, uh, yeah, it was, and I was half tanked anyway, so I was loud and obnoxious anyway. Yeah, and and but the people around me were made the difference. But you don't get that as a majority rule Correct. in rugby. And that's, that's the disappointing yeah. thing. And, and you, look, you don't have to be lagged up. Let's be blunt. You don't have to be lagged up I to never, be yeah. a fan. Uh, I, I, I think. So so walking up to Mount Smart is a little bit different to walking up to Eden Park. Like you said, you've got there's lots of fan stuff going on, handing out flags and that sort of yeah. stuff. But Colour. Colour. But, but, but even then, but like I'll go back to that original point, that both do lack behind what um, – was it Darren talking about Twickenham there where you're walking through the streets and so we could do that a lot better but I think when you get into Mount Smart there is there's the drums playing there's the ground and outs like you mentioned there's noise of the fans there's flags waving there's better food there's better food options and it, if it's not the if it's not the um, same uh, sorry cheaper it's very close to being the same price but they also make it accessible for families so there's always yep. stuff for the kids Correct. to do and it and you know it can be as basic as handing them out flags face painting but they have you know they have uh, skills a skills thing you know kids throwing the ball through stuff they have mascots running around the whole nine yards and that's where rugby has forgotten the the, the biggest rule of marketing when it comes to sport the fan mm. The fan has always and will be, as as Andrew Abdo, the CEO of the NRL, said last night, it is about the fan. The fan is the most important aspect of the game and that the players, as he said, assemble at the Dally M's, it's all about them too because yeah. they bring the fan to the game. So, and it, look, it's just a more colourful, easy and, game to understand. And, and, and I'll throw one more argument out there as well. Um Mount Smart, why do they host all the concerts? Oh, sorry, no, I'll put them, sorry. Back Eden up. Park doesn't doesn't host concerts, right, because of the residents around yeah. the area saying no. Mount Smart does, and it's a great venue for concerts. I've been to a couple of concerts there, and it is fantastic. And you can say, oh, well, that's not fair because Eden Park doesn't host them. That's the point. They can't host them because of the area it's in, because <laughs> of the location. It makes it even worse. So there's another, pl- there's another negative for the Eden Park crowd, Stephen. <laughs> Love it. If you've got some thoughts, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Mikey from Christchurch. How are you, buddy? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Stephen. Hey, uh, I haven't got too much skin in this game because obviously I live down here. But just in terms of the, the talk about rugby fans, I agree that rugby fans in New Zealand are traditionally very quiet. And I'll probably have to put my hand up there, um, to be honest. 
Um, but I've experienced uh, a game in the brand new Millennium Stadium at the time in Wales, 80,000 people non-stop singing, yep. going for it. And then also in the very old Lansdowne Road mm-hmm. in Dublin, this is before they uh, tore it down, same thing. And that's a, that was a decrepit, terrible stadium, but the fans were just going bananas the entire game. Plus they had a lot of offer for kids. Um, the Millennium Stadium, obviously, good access to good food, toilets, etc. So even though the two stadiums were completely different, um, the fan experience was off the hook compared to what we get over here. Yeah, but so, so okay, so, so you've you've admitted you're not a great noisemaker. Why do you think that is? You know, it's a strange thing because um, I mean I'm, I'm traditionally a union fan. Yeah, but when the Kiwis are playing, <laughs> I'm screaming at the TV is nonstop. It, okay. I don't know what it is about league, but I'm going for it, and and it's a very strange thing. It's like me when I watch boxing. You know, weird. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, Stephen. I, I, I'm do, sorry. Do you think just, you've been conditioned to be quiet by people around you when you really want to open open up? I think so. I think so. I think when the lines, because um, obviously um, Canary missed out on the lines to all those years ago after the earthquake. Um, but the recent lines to a... Um, we had fans come through Christchurch as well, and they just bring a whole different element, and I think it kind of brings us as fans out of our shells because, yes, I think we have been conditioned to be a bit like that down I, here. I think we have to learn. It's a continual learning process, And but I, I will come back to this, and this is not a get at rugby. It's a simple fact. They have to start putting the fan first. Not worry about the prices. Put the fan first and how they can make that experience so much better. It's all well and good for the kids to wait after and get a, a photo with an all-black or a super rugby player and they can sign this and that. But it's actually during the, before, before and during the game that the experience has to be better. Mate, I appreciate your time, buddy. What's the weather like in Christchurch today? Uh, it's absolutely stunning. It's about 21 degrees, but it's about to have a massive cold front come through and we're going to drop to about 8. So oh, lo- <laughs> I'm enjoying it while I can. Lovely, Mikey. Thanks for your call, pal. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. 12.43 on Midday Madness with Stephen McIver in for Staffy. Uh, Pete just said on the Temper Bedpost text line, if we don't have a 50,000 cent national stadium, we won't get another Rugby Cup World Cup. I don't care. 49 on this Thursday afternoon with Stephen in for Staffy. Scott's been waiting patiently in Wellington. Howdy, mate. G'day, Stephen. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think um, I think you and Sam had a couple of good points before, especially um, with Eden Park. I've got to admit, I'm, I'm not a rugby person at all, but I've been there multiple times for for cricket, um, and, and I think the the issue, the problem is, it's you're trying to, as Sam said, you're trying to get so many different things into one stadium. It doesn't actually have a, a, a an actual purpose, and you end up being so far away from the action. And I know the last time where we were sitting, um, the the ball would go up, at, and you couldn't even see it because the second tier on the main stand basically blocked blocked your view off. <laughs> um, so the, you know you, you're trying to get so many different things into one place, and and I think that's the problem. You see, them Park's got the history. But that's the problem. It's the history. It's the past. It's it's not what's needed for the present. And um, being a um, former season ticket holder with the Warriors at Mount Smart, um, I, I've got to say it is a it's a nice ground to go and watch uh, rugby league at because you are very close to the action. You're over the top of the action. 
Um, and, and I think as well, um, you know, as you said, the Warriors engage with the fans. And, and there was one I remember from many years ago, before I had kids, but um, I remember Stephen Price was out injured. And um, during the game and uh, before the game, he was doing a whole lot of stuff with the kids in front of the bank. Um, and there were a few of the, I think it was the under-20s might have been there with them afterwards as well. And, and the kids just loved it. You know, they were just getting engaged in it and... Um, enjoying the time there. You're, you're on the money, Scott. That's what it's all about, engagement. Thanks for the call on 0800 150811. Now, this is what I love about uh, Talkback because people have an opinion. Uh, uh, Stephen, uh, not a great not a get at rugby, uh, get a grip. You spent a hour and a half ripping out rugby's home stadium uh, and their fans and the union. What a punishable listen. If you don't care about union, uh, go across to Australia where you can discuss league for as much as you like rather than ripping out the country's number one code. League will always be second fiddle. Build a bridge and get over it. Oh, well, I'm, I've built that bridge and I'm well over it, pal. It's as simple as that. But this is this is real life. You know, and we, we can't sit around and continue to accept uh, when you're paying good money, big money to go to a game that's all you've got. I've always been a great believer. The, the way rugby can make it better engaging for the fan, have at least two curtain raises. You know? I mean, the rugby Women's Rugby World Cup has a triple header to start, to start the tournament. How good is that? It's 12.52. The SE Own and jump in on the show. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 12.57 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811. Uh, Dave writes, hi, Sammy and Stephen, on the Timber Bedpost text line. I don't care. That comes across as very self-indulgent attitude. There are a lot of Kiwis that do care. As one of two countries in the world that have rugby as their national game, it's one event that brings the country together. I think he's talking about the Rugby World Cup. There is another generation that have not experienced a Rugby World Cup in our country. And if we are to have any chance of continuing the all-black legacy, that generation of the future. Yeah, this is where I have a slight problem, Dave, in the fact that the next generation aren't all about rugby. We've got young Jake here, who's from Canterbury, and likes his rugby, but would rather prioritise hanging out with his mates and watching an EPL game at two in the morning than going to a rugby match and supporting it. Or our mate Brendan out out in the office who said he left the All Blacks game 20 minutes early so he could find a taxi and go to the bar. And I'm going, hang on a minute, that's and we argued, I shouted at him. I called him a theatre-goer because that's not what a true fan does. I think you will discover, and I think Rugby League is in the same territory as well, that unless they continue to make the fan engagement better and mums and dads, more importantly, mums and dads, more importantly, feel that their children who want to play the game are going to be safe, then you watch, you watch the dynamic change. Yes, it may be considered our national game, but the growth in basketball is enormous amongst young men and young women Football, even though it's sabotaged by the NZ, the football New Zealand, because they don't seem to have their together, is still a huge sport. And it is a truly, truly global sport. So I understand where you're coming from, but I think that next generation, it's going to be incredibly, I think the change is going to be larger than you think. 
Uh, Mike writes, and I, we live 20 minutes east of Hamilton, and we are a season ticket holders for the Warriors. Been out of town to get, been out of town to get to and from Mount Smart wins by a mile. We've even been to concerts at Mount Smart and afterwards to get to the car and home in one and a half hours. Eden Park is a nightmare. And this one I thought from Stefan was quite funny. In regards to the Kiwis being quiet in stadiums, I think it's because we're too scared of being kicked out by overzealous security guards. Seen it happen too often. A few guys having a laugh, getting involved, not harming anyone. Next thing you know, they're getting walked out. Yeah, I think in fairness, Stefan, normally when someone's walking out, they are creating more of a problem for those around them uh, than actually having a good time. All right, because I remember my my Lions experience, I was having a large time and making a lot of noise, which is, comes as no surprise when you lag it up like I was, and no one walked me out. So... Yeah, and his, and his gig just quickly gets in on the Timber Bed Post text line. Stop charging 12 bucks for a can of beer for a start. Well, that's what you pay in a pub. Fair play to that one. Stick, don't forget, uh, this is all about Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Coming your way after 1 o'clock, Sarah Hidney, Black Fern Loose Ford about the World Cup, which is not too far away. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. on a Thursday afternoon nationwide around Australia and New Zealand on the SEN or SENZ app. You can take us wherever you want. 0800 150811 is the number. If you want to have a comment on anything we've been talking in the last hour or something completely different, we're going to be talking Dally M's after 3 o'clock this afternoon with the great Andy Raymond. And we'll be talking to Sarah Hidney shortly, the Black Fern Loose Ford, uh, getting ready for the campaign, the World Cup campaign here in, I was going to say New Zealand, but I'm going to say here in the North Island of New Zealand. A couple of interesting texts that have come through. Gee, it doesn't sound great down in the Waikato. Uh, Stephen, a four-pack of Waikato 440ml cans costs $38. That's $9.50 a can. Well, that's overpriced for swamp water for a start. Even for a premium beer like Waikato, that's steep. You know it's not a premium beer. Come on. Quartz are $11 a bot. At my local, near Big Bots, that's what we're going to talk about. But here's the sad thing. Someone talked about security. I had my cowbell confiscated on my way into the Mulu Games over the weekend. Now, that's just pathetic. Cowbells are a part of being a white oh, What sort of knob security guard would do that? that. We're and terrible at the that. The Waikato Union need to take a good look at who their security are. A cowbell is what it's all about. Now, security in New Zealand, to me, that that just over-entitled. They think that because they're there, they have to do something. They have to be confiscating. They have to be taking people aside. And it's just so unnecessary. And it ruins 
the reason why we don't have, as someone said, you know, louder crowds and everything, because everyone's sort of too timid to do anything. Remember the Sri Lankan drum that got taken out of the cricket? No. And everyone was loving it. He was playing his drum, the crowd was in it, and it gets taken out by a security guard. And it's like, no one here is offended except for that one security guard who's got too much power and is taking it away. Just yeah. quickly, though, going back to the Atlanta Falcons you mentioned with the prices. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, the, the, the philosophy, yeah, their CEO, when they um, – when they made the stadium was yet yeah, you don't get charged you, you what you pay for out on the street is what you pay for in here so i think they're like cans of coke are like a dollar 50 oh, wow. beers are like 3 bucks um you know slice of pizza 3 bucks bottle of chips 3 or 4 bucks you know so you're not paying 20 dollars for a cold hamburger that was cooked 2 weeks ago you know <laughs> which is just great i mean that's yeah. God, they've got to think of these things, don't they, Stephen? Like, they're not changing, and, and the fans are getting less and less and less. The and, crowds are terrible. And before any of you uh, anti-McIver unionists uh, fire up, it is across all stands and all codes, right? Let's just be mindful of that. You know, the, the food providers do charge a premium, and they too also have to think about the fan, but that also is driven by the stadiums that are employing them and to be there. Hey, big show. League will always be a quicker, more interesting game than Union, says Mark. Just don't wind everybody up. I love this one from Liam. Uh, All New Zealand stands need to stop playing music throughout the game. The DJs at stands ruin any chance of an atmosphere. We should stop playing music during the national anthems so we can hear the crowd sing like they do in Europe. Ah, now I understand that, but I'm not so sure you would get them singing like Europe and here. But that's not a bad idea, Liam. I quite like that one. Oh, uh, that texture about the Mulu game was in Wellington this weekend. It was their security that took it off me. Well, I hope you got it back. Oh, man, this this whole um, beer argument's just popped up on the Timber Bedpost text line. Uh, this one, Stags fans have been told after this year, no more antlers on our heads. Oh, God, you know what that's about, don't you, Sam? Health and safety. Also... $24 for four warm spates. Atmosphere's great, but everyone's preloaded and sneaked goon sacks. Goon sacks? Is that a Southland term, goon sacks? And on the terrace. <laughs> goon, I was down in Southland the other day in, in Vicargo. Gee, it was a cracking, a cracking day down last Saturday. Uh, Ryan reads, wow, I've taken my cowbell to Dunedin, Christchurch, Eden Park, Mount Monganui. I've taken it on the plane. Never had an issue. Not when head of security airport was born in Huntley. Uh, Yeah, it's not what you know. Ah, okay. The old local noise. But I think that's abhorrent that if you're taking a noisemaker to a, a sports game that you should have it taken off you. I would love to know, actually, what bad experiences you have had during the next couple of hours. What bad experiences have you had with security about taking something rather harmless into a stadium and then having it taken off you? Because obviously things are happening around the stadiums. (laughs) Anthony goes, guys, this is a national disgrace if they they take the Cowboys off a Mulu supporter. You are so right. It is a national national disgrace. Uh, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. 
Now, here's the thing. I mean, here's something. Do, you, do they throw out the Phoenix supporters when they're all ripping their clothes off at that, what is it, that five-minute mark? It's about the five-minute mark. And there's no, ten minutes to go, I think, if they're, go, if they're and winning. The, and look, there are women. In oh, their, that'll go soon. Their Steven. women are in their bar, go, you know, the whole nine yards. So there's, it's, it's, and I think it's that'll fantastic. That'll be shut down, mate. That'll be shut down. Let's be honest. Give it time. It'll be shut down. But that's wrong. It is, mate. I mean, there's the, the, the this, pro- the, the, this is my argument in all of the of the security issues is that if fans don't really care, if, if all the fans are complaining about the Shalankan banging his drum, right? If we're all fed up, it's loud, it's obnoxious, and we don't like it, and it's big, and it's getting in people's way, and it's a security, it's a health and safety concern, then 100% take it away. But when none of the fans are complaining, when no one's got a problem with it, no one has a problem with the Phoenix people taking their shirts off, maybe... 0.1% of the population who thinks it's, you know, wrong. Yes, but we but live in a world of box ticking, right? We've got to tick someone's those got to keep boxes. Their job. You know, yeah, someone's got to hit the metrics. How many people did you arrest tonight? 10? Good man. Oh, it's 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 pathetic. But to take a cowbell off someone, come on. What is Who are the, who are the security down there in, in the Waikato? Someone ring and tell me. I'll out them. We'll out them. Well, could we be sued for that, for outing poor security companies? Ah. Uh, it is well, oh here we go goonsack thank you kindly is a cask of wine a goonsack is a cask of wine thanks for that so if you've had a bad experience at a ground for, for maybe taking something that was harmless then feel free to call me on 0800150811 and tell me your story that's 0800150811 and tell me your story um, what's that? Geordie Barrett. Oh, what happened to Geordie Barrett at the MCG? Why did he get removed from the MCG? Was he doing something? Making, making a beer snake. <laughs> That's, oh, well, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. But if you've got a story, tell me. 0800 Something else I wanted that popped up on NRL 360 this week, and it concerns a former league who's now had two tests with All Black, is Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Uh, and that is something we can look forward to. We're going to talk to Sarah Hirony in a minute, but I, I said, have we got some Rita Ora music to bring uh, Sarah in? Because I put some Rita Ora music in because she's going to open up the, the Women's Rugby World Cup. Is it, is it there, Jake? Oh, okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. Rugby World Cup for women. First aid in part. Get a load of this. South Africa, France, 215. Fiji, England. 4.45, Australia, New Zealand, 7.15. And featuring that game will be our very own Sarah Hedini. Kia ora, Sarah. How are you, mate? Yeah, kia ora. How, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm on fire. Tell, okay, so you tell me. When you're playing in a ground, uh, like, you know, you're, you've played a lot of rugby, a lot of sevens rugby. Now we're talking about 15, but you've played sevens footy. How important is the crowd to you? It's a it's a big energy booster. Like even when you play, um, like played a lot of sevens around the world, and the fans are really energetic. I think gain a lot of confidence from that. But this Fifteens World Cup is going to be amazing, and probably something we've talked about is the fans that are coming to the stadiums are going to be for us, and that's like huge, exciting. For yeah, us. You, you see. So okay, so now you have to show me some honesty, right? Uh, <laughs> the the Japan game, right? What was the crowd like for that? Uh, to be honest, I was probably disappointed with the crowd. Um, like, you'd expect that a lot more people had to come out, but I get the doubleheaders, there's like two games to watch, warm-ups in between and things like that, but I would have loved to, for a lot more of the, the public to come out and support us. All right, well, congratulations for making the World Cup squad. Uh, and it's, it's well-deserved, but I've always, I've always wondered, you played for the Hurricanes, 
in in uh, Super Rugby Opaki. How how hard is the transition from sevens to fifteen? Is it is it like riding a bike? Um, like I suppose yeah, I, I suppose we've been pretty lucky coming in last week and um, getting given. I was given a lot of information, but like, but it was great information and real simple to learn. Um, and then knowing that I just needed to learn my role, um, and there's been a lot of help with that. So now having these couple of weeks before the opening game of the World Cup, like I've got a bit of time up my sleeve to to learn more, um, to do more analysis and things like that. But I suppose yeah, I still have played 15s in the past. Um, the game has changed, but like just keep adding to a skill set. And yeah, I quite like the side of the challenge of having to adapt and learn on the go. So what are the big challenges for you as a player going from sevens to 15? Having played it before, I understand that, but now we're, to, we're, now we're stepping up to test it, a World Cup. What are the big challenges for you? Probably the set piece and the physicality of um, like the bigger bodies, bigger impacts, uh, set piece. And now sevens line outs, there's three people, there's potentially seven. Um, and yeah, it's like that. Obviously, scrumming's a lot different for me here, but um, the, the impacts, uh, the body contacts will be a lot different in 15s. I'm obviously a very small forward um, compared to a lot of the other girls that we have in our squad and then the girls that we'll be coming all up against. But uh, like that's why I started playing rugby. I love the physical side of it. I love having to make big impacts. And yeah, so it's, that's exciting for me. So from the physical aspect, how much extra work have you done and are you d- doing to get amongst us, as you say, loving that physical aspect of the game? I suppose like trainings for me are a lot different here. And in sevens, um, there's a lot of sprinting, a lot of running around, whereas here, it's um, like in the fours, there's just constant work-ons on that. So like if over the next eight weeks, there'll be a lot of difference and a lot of change, but something why I wanted to come into this team is because of that. Yeah, now culture has been huge. You you, you women in the Olympics had a, a magnificent culture, right? And that is something that I believe is now embodied in the 15s game after the review. Are you feeling that same culture now? Yeah, obviously different, different people, um, different backgrounds who, who have come in here, but like it's amazing. Um, even now getting goosebumps talking about it, the way that the team got named. We came in last week. We had a really awesome week in the test match against Japan, and you could just feel the energy. Like I think the teller is when you hop on the bus heading to a test match, um, and, and the likes of Eden Park, and there's music blasting. Girls are. Um, you can see that girls are really energised, but really enjoying themselves. And then obviously we put a good performance out. So um, yeah, to me that's the teller. And like even today we had a dress up in the gym and. Just keeping the, the constant feel and fun, um, which will be important for us in the next seven weeks. What was the dress up in the gym? <laughs> um, well, we had to, yeah, we just, we do a lot of fun stuff. We got, we got a power wars going on, so mini team challenges and things like that. But, um, yeah, there was a, there was a weightlifting <laughs> dress up theme or, or whatever it well, was. Well, come on, spill, spill me. What was the, dr- <laughs> what was the dress up theme? Yeah, weightlifting. <laughs> so what? Okay. They had to be creative, so no one brought weightlifting clothes. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, so what does Sarah get really creative? What does Sarah have anywhere? Potentially a one-piece floral tog. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I would love to know what you think about Wayne Smith. 
ex- exactly how people have described him. His um, he's an absolute wizard. The the way that he sees the game, the way he can artic- articulate his messages to his players and create relationships. That's exactly what I felt over well one week working with him. Um, like the way that he can see create a game plan, but then get across to his players what he wants from them. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. I've learned a lot over the, well, a week with him. Yeah. Do you, do you feel he's a tactical genius and combined with the talent you have in your team have given the Black Ferns a real shot at this cup? Oh, I think so. Like, um, There's been a lot of a doubt around, around that and obviously a lot of talk around other teams and what they're doing, but I think when you've got people like him in our program and, and the other coaches mm. and staff who have been here for a long time and have been able to change and, and grow, um, yeah, I, I, like I'm, I'm obviously always going to be really confident in the, the playing squad that we have. She's has got um, some talent in this team and the, yeah, I'm excited by the game plan. So what's the plan now? You've, you're on that back of that triple header. What, what's the process now before game one? Uh, we've been lucky having been able to be in here for a week uh, without a test match. I think we've been able to get a lot of work done, a lot of learning, and actually train really, really hard before the weekend. Um, and then next week we'll be just touching up minor skills and uh, and probably a little bit more analysis and then all go next weekend, which... Yeah, hugely excited about to represent New Zealand in New Zealand. Sounds to me like the balance is about where it needs to be. Do you feel that? Yeah, like we work really, really hard and trainings are, are, are pretty brutal, but there's a lot of enjoyment off the field, which um, like I've, I know is, is going to be really important and really important for our consistency over the next few weeks. All righty. Uh, do you follow the NRL? I follow, uh, a little bit, but probably more so the um, NRLW. Okay, so... Up pa- to Parramatta Eels. Ah, <laughs> oh, you, you, beat, you beat me too. So do you pick Parramatta in the men's game against Penrith? Oh, to be honest, I'd probably go more for the uh, more for Penrith, but only because my husband follows Penrith um, and, and just the, the, <laughs> the young talent that they've got in that team at the moment. But... um. For me, it would be the Parramatta Eels for NRLW because I've got to support my, my mate, um, Gail Broaden, who's carving up at the moment. Oh, that was the next question. All right, good on you, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, thanks for... <laughs> thank you. That's, that's brilliant. Thanks for giving us your time, mate. The best of luck for the World Cup. No worries. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. What a magnificent woman that is. Sarah Hedney, part of the Black Fern squad for the Women's World Cup. Let me just remind you about it. And see, Sam, this is what we were talking about, right? You know, bang for buck. A triple header... A triple international, international triple header to start the Women's Rugby World Cup. South Africa versus France, 2.15 at Eden Park. Fiji versus England at 4.45. And then Australia, what a perfect start, a trans-Tasman battle. Australia versus New Zealand at 7.15. See, now, I would go to that. Am I going to? No. But if you were right into that, you'd go, that is bang for the buck straight there. Three international matches. Don't you think? Are you talking to myself? You you know, you don't want to talk to me. All right, well, he's had his headphones. I don't know if he's going to talk to me. That's just gabbing like a like a frog. Uh, 121, Cliff's on the line. Why don't we just see what, what Cliff... 
No, we're not going to. Okay, I'll take it. Okay, Sam's in that one of those bossy moods. Okay. Oh, by the way, taking stuff out of a bag, a packet of breathments out of my wife's handbag because they classed them as food. Where was that? This is SENZ 0800 This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 127 with Steve. We're going to go about three and a half minutes and Cliff has uh, listed a lot of things from Dunedin that he would like to talk about. Cliff, hey, mate. Yeah, good day, Stephen. What's yeah, a, th- um, there seems to be a lot on your mind, so you've got about three and a half minutes. So far, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'll start off about the league first. Um, I, was in, I was in Brisbane last week, and I watched the, the All Blacks play Australia over there with my cobber and his wife. She's Australian. He's a, good, he's a good Kiwi lad. So we were sitting there watching, hoping the All Blacks played well, and they did. Australia were a bit disappointing. Lack of depth in their squad, really. Mm-hmm. But I, after that, we watched the the league, and I haven't watched a lot of league lately. But I really was impressed. I was impressed with the way Penrith. Nothing was going right for them in that first twenty minutes, even the first half. But they stuck at it. They, it was a great game. They were they were twelve nil down, and then they just really just took Parramatta uh, um, south to. Mm. South didn't answer once. Once Penrith, I don't know what was going on, but nothing seemed that they weren't getting the calls. There was just the odd thing or two, but suddenly they clicked and away they went. And that Penrith have been a good side for a few years, and they just look like they're a quality team going forward. Oh, I think you're and right. I, I, I think you're right. I think I think they will be able to absorb a lot of pressure if they if things start to go their way. Parramatta are in trouble. Oh, I think so. Yeah, look, they they've got no weaknesses. That Penrith side, you know, it was it was it was a it was a tough game. That was a tough game. That, that was big hits. It was it. Re- I, I was more play, watching that than I was watching the All Black game. It just there, there was so much more intensity, and that's what I'm sort of ringing about with the stadiums. I've been to Carisbrook for many many years. I went to Carisbrook, and and look, it didn't have a lid, and some days it was cool. It didn't rain much there, really. But it had atmosphere, and the stadium, hmm. I've been there on tests. I've been at football matches there. I've been to concerts. But the, at the rugby, sometimes it can be quite flat. It, it's, it's a good viewing place to watch, but sometimes it just lacks the atmosphere. They try and pump it up, especially at the Highlanders, with the, yeah. the music, music at one end with the students. But that really isn't atmosphere to me. That is just noise. But do you but do you personally make noise when you go, or are you quiet? Well, I I, I get a bit. <laughs> I I can I can get a bit of roar going when 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 the the game picks up. You know what I mean? Yep. When you want a bit of, I, I remember watching the, watching the night. The, remember the '98 MPC final. Otago played Waikato. It was Labor Weekend. It was about 25 degrees, and it was at Carisbrook. It was packed. I reckon there was about thirty-eight thousand. It was it was an amazing day, and we beat them, and we, you know, and we won the NBC final, and it was just hum. The flags were gone. It was just amazing, and in that period of time, the Otago team was a, a very good side. 
Yeah. And, and so was the so were the Highlanders. It's a, it's a fun, it's, it's a funny but, thing about supporter. It's a funny thing about supporting Cliff. I've got news coming, so I'm going to have to cut you a wee bit short. And I apologise for that. But I think when your team's on a roll, it's easy to get going, right? I always maintain true fans are there when their team's not on a roll and they make the noise to keep them going. Would you agree? Oh, they definitely do. Look, I, I, I'm not, not just picking on it because we were the Highlanders and the Otago were a good team. Like I went through the early two thousands right through to yep. when with when with Stadium come. I was always there. I used to drive from Mamaru to Dunedin, then Palmerston, whatever. And ah, so the, the atmosphere is just getting blended out. It, I think New Zealand stadiums have lost the passion. Hmm, that's, in an the last- that's, that's, that's an interesting call. I'm going I'm to use that. I'm going to take that line, blend it out. Cliff, thanks for calling, mate. I appreciate yep. the, the call too. And have a lovely day in Dunners. I was down there on, on yeah, Friday. Enjoy the league. Enjoy that league game coming up. Go <laughs> I, for I, it. I, I, <laughs> all right, mate. It is 131. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ news this hour, police have launched a homicide investigation after... It is 1.33 this afternoon. Stephen and for Staffy, 0800 150 That's 150... What did I say? 0800 150 Hey, look, this is, a dis- this is a disturbing security stadium security story. Uh, it just says this. Wellington Stadium security wanted to take off Fortisip, which is a liquid food office. The person who needed it is fed through a tube, even offered to show them the peck for feeding them. Security said no liquid allowed, and it was the rules and no exemption. Kicked up a huge fuss at the gate, and stadium officials were called. We were, of course, admitted, but now tend to not to go events at a stadium for fear of a repeat. And that is about lack of training for security staff. Full stop. So shame on the security at Wellington Stadium for not actually training your staff about certain things. It's not just about putting a uniform on and having your walkie-talkie or your earpiece in and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. There are many, many different situations. So there you go. Alrighty, time for a TAB update. You can be live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. And my mate, the Pops, is in. Brendan Popwell. Hey, Pops. Hey, big show. You all good? Yeah, I am, mate. It's, uh, do, you, do you enjoy going to footy matches in stadiums around this country or do you find one's better than the other? Where's, where's been your, where has been, excuse me, your best stadium experience? Oh, gee. Uh, well, I grew up in the Hawks Bay, so... Obviously, McLean Park is is their one stadium that will always be with me. Be with all those childhood memories of going to the the first All Black Test under lights, the first uh, Black Caps cricket game under lights uh, at McLean Park. Gosh, so, I was, I was so at that test. I was at that test, that Hawks Bay test, the first test. I remember having to wear gloves. It was that cold, and I got I got called out for wearing gloves. Who did we? Who, yeah. did, who did the All Blacks play that day? I was I was hosting rugby then. Was that ninety? What year? Ninety? What? Ninety six? Yep. Yeah. Christian Cullen. That's the um, one. There you go. Game yeah, against Western Samoa. So yeah, it was that was a, a great night. Um, and the game actually was the, the cricket game when the Black Caps played Zimbabwe uh, in their very first One Day International under lights in New Zealand. They packed it out so much that it was it was actually overdone. It was there was there was nowhere there was one, not one piece of grass on that that you could uh, sit on. Uh, it was 
well, I think they can hold about 15,000 maybe. In Park, it was probably pushing close to 20, and uh, it was a little over-inflated, but it was still a great atmosphere. Uh, and I've got a feeling we might have lost that too. Oh, uh, well, but, okay. Yeah. So, so, but, but you've had good experiences. But, but in recent times, yeah. recent times, do you have a preference of a stadium where you know you're going to have a good time and, and a fan experience? Uh. Oh, not really. No, I mean, um, the oh, man, stadium, man. obviously, in Wellington and uh, Eden Park, I mean, they're great places to go and watch games, but in terms of saying I've had a great time or do I walk away thinking that was fantastic? No, nothing. Not really. Wow. No, so, 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 so you're a dissatisfied customer, really, aren't you? <laughs> you must, mate. Well, if, if I, I, mate, I, I get this feeling. There, I get there a feeling. There is a fence post, fair that you were sitting on, and I know where it is. And you don't want to say anything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to leave this yeah, alone. No. <laughs> I'm going to okay. leave this alone. Right. Uh, it's one thirty-seven. <laughs> okay, so uh, Pen Penrith Eels. What's the money like on the grand final? I'd, I'd like to be at this game. Um, that's for sure mm. uh, on on Sunday night. Even. Oh, I know you've been to a few grand finals. Um, Penrith, all the way here. 8000 on Penrith is our biggest bet at $1.38. Uh, we've had 4000 on them at that price too. Look, some love for the Eels. Um, I guess the one thing for Parramatta is that they don't fear Penrith uh, because they've beaten them this year. I guess mm-hmm. the one lingering thing in the back of their mind is they did get cleaned up by Nathan Cleary and, and the Penrith Panthers in the first week of the finals. But I think that will hold enough to say that the Eels can go toe-to-toe for a good period with the Penrith Panthers, and hence why we've seen a little bit of speaking at the sort of 1-12 to 12 market price if the Parramatta Eels are going to win this game. That's where we've seen the best money around them, uh, and also a little bit on the head-to-head at 295 but now out to $3. There are some punters out there too, Stephen, that back them during the year at $21. That's the highest oh. price they got to in the marketplace in the outright winner market at $21. And the Penrith Panthers, they opened around five fifty, got to around three dollars, hovered at that point for a long period of time, and then was one eighty uh, at the start of the final series. So there's a lot of different tickets on those. Would you be able, to, mate? Would you be able to tell me how, uh, the biggest bet on that? That right at the beginning of the season at twenty one dollars. Was there anyone drop a grand on that or something like that? No, no, there wasn't those type of bets. No, that, like, I think the biggest bet that I was told that around that $21 was, was a couple of hundred dollars. Because you've got to remember, too, at that time, Stephen, they were so inconsistent, weren't they, the Parramatta Eels? They were a top four, top five team, but were winning two games, then losing to a, a team outside of the eight. And then they got on that roll at the right time. But, yeah, there was just the top four side that wasn't getting backed in, in the marketplace because we had so much money for Cowboys. Sharks, Melbourne Storm made a run. Mm. Roosters started to make a run of, of winning six or seven, eight in a row. So those type of teams were getting backed in the futures market as opposed to a team that was already in the top four in the Parramatta Eels. What's the 1-12 to 12 on Para? 1-12 to 12, uh, on Parramatta uh, currently. Oh, my computer is just... Hang on, give me one second there, Steve. It's just coming right. up. Me and I'll, just hum, I'll, hum to my, I'll hum to myself pleasantly. Um, yeah, well, Param- Parramatta to win the match are paying $3. Penrith... One thirty-seven and one to twelve is four thirty-three. Uh, so that's the price here at the moment Ooh. for the one to twelve market price. That's, that's not bad. What, what else do you have for me this afternoon? Well, I'll just touch on one other option in this game that has taken some support, and it's in our power play market, and it is a field goal in the match at six dollars. Now, of course, if you wind your memory back to game number one of the final series, there was a drop goal by Nathan Cleary. And the producer of this program is Sam Hewitt last week, who was 
uh, in the chair suggested that maybe we could add a drop goal in the first half. And we did exactly that for those matches last weekend. And I can tell you, we've got it in there again, and it's currently sitting at $15. Because in that match, between the Penrith Panthers and the Parramatta Eels, there were two shots at drop goal, one by Moses, which missed. And then Nathan Cleary said, this is how you do it, Mitchell Moses. I'll slot one about a minute out from halftime and nailed it. So it's $15 for a successful field goal in the first half. Sam Hewitt will be getting all around that. Hey, and Pops, we all know the Rabbits should have taken the one point before halftime as well on the weekend. And they went for the try instead, and look what happened with Brian Toto. But, you know, they could have marched down and got a one. Should have happened. Yeah. I, I, I was sitting there going, 40 seconds ago, Sam Hewitt, you are in front of that TV screen going, this yes. is going to happen. It's about to happen. <laughs> Lucky I didn't have my house on it, but yeah. So, so, Pops, you're back in the Panthers, are you? Yeah, it's pretty hard to beat them, isn't it? I mean, the three times in the grand final, uh, won it last year. Oh, I think they'll get it done. All right, mate. Appreciate it, as always, Pops. Take care, eh? Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah, very careful. 141. That's Brendan Popperwell from the TAB. Promotions in plan. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Just visit the tab.co.nz and please gamble responsibly. It's R18. At the last Wellington Sevens on the Timber Bedpost text line, they were making people take breathalyzer tests before going in. It died after that. We'll find out what's making news shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? I love that. That's my favourite intro to any segment. Um, I'm just a huge Ron Burgundy fan. It's as simple as that. I'm glad. Did you like the second one? Anchorman 2 uh, No not as much mm. No it's, You know how you can You get into a jokes And the whole nine yards And then You tried a bit harder It just fell a bit short Yeah Particularly when he went Supposedly blind oh, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was quite funny <laughs> <laughs> I, what, Did he eat a whole um, Or drank a whole thing Of tomato sauce or something Yeah And yeah, they're like yeah, But yeah. you can taste it yeah. But I'm blind <laughs> um, Okay What is making news Around the world LeBron James <clears throat> who's a pretty um, savvy businessman. He oh, invested yeah. in uh, the Fenway Sports Group, who own Liverpool, right? Um, he's an investor in that. Um, well, now he's invested in something a little bit different, uh, and it's called Pickleball. Have you heard of Pickleball? I have, but I don't know what I'm pretty pickle- sure like a lot of the Formula One drivers play pickleball. pickleball. It's basically tennis, but it's like with a big pedal. Oh, that's a bit yeah, closer. Seen that. yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, um, so he and a group of NBA players and some businessmen are investing in Major League Pickleball. Oh He's alongside Draymond Green and uh, Kevin Love from the uh, former Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, MLP. As they call it, um, it already includes the ownership group of MLP. Already includes Drew Brees, yep. right from the NFL, uh, Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lazary, and former tennis player James Blake. Oh yeah. So um, the 2022 season, just so I can keep you updated, the 2022 season finale is going to be held in Columbus, Ohio, from October 14 to 16, with 48 players competing for the largest single event prize purse, three hundred ninety thousand dollars in pickleball history. Pickleball. What next? Pickleball. There what you go. Next? Well, hey, if LeBron and his group of savvy men are behind it, then I think it's got legs. Well, I don't just think the investment by having, would be huge. Oh, but just by having their names attached to it, that's all you need, isn't it? Uh, you know? Perception's they'll, everything. Exactly. Exactly. Is everything. They'll, they'll pump it up and NFTs and all that sort of jazz. Um, McDonald's. Yeah. When was the last time you had a happy meal? Oh, gosh. I think when one of my children was about five or four. You had you got one yourself? 
No, I just ate the remnants of it. Right. But you, you would have had a, a Happy Meal when you were a kid, right? No. No? You never had a Happy no, Meal? Well, it's a little while and okay. ago when I was a child and McDonald's wasn't around. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. But don't do the wow. wow. Yeah, don't well. do the wow thing. Jeepers. Come did, on. They, did they cook food back then or? Move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you for everyone out there who uh, who was a, a fan of the uh, of the Happy Meal as a kid, McDonald's, and this is in the US, so we'll hope it filters down here. But they're bringing back, well, not bringing back, they're creating a adult Happy Meal. Oh, for God! And so. what they're going to be doing? What, what toy? Yeah, it's going to be nostalgic toys that the ones that you used to get as a kid are going to be included in the. That's, pa- that's pathetic. I think that's great. It's I think that's pathetic. awesome. Uh, other pathetic. than the fact that it's like a snack, not a meal anymore. But yeah. um, oh. I think that's a great little ploy from McMackers. So if that yeah, comes down okay. to NZ, I'll, I'll go and try and uh, win myself well, okay. another toy. Okay, so what iconic toy would you want? Well, the ones that they did, I don't know if they do those in New Zealand, but the ones that I loved the most were the Super 12, um, oh, what are they called? They're like little sort of beanbaggy sack things and you would hit them and they would make noises. So like you'd hit them and it'd go like, excellent, excellent. And the uh, one of them was like, wicked, wicked. I can't remember what the name of them was, <laughs> but they were the best. And they came in your colours. So you had a Chiefs one, you had a Highlanders one, Crusaders, Blues, and um, right, whatever the other okay. team is missing. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, oh, I love I those toys. So if they brought those back, I'll be, I'll be loading up the Happy Meals by the dozen. By the dozen. By the dozen. And uh, now I know you're a movie fan. Yep. Um, Superman. Mm-hmm. The Christopher Reeve variant. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you would have been the late Christopher Reeve. Yeah, correct. You would yes. have. You would yes, have enjoyed I would that. Have seen that. Yes. Um, well, and apparently this is this happens all the time when films uh, finish up. Obviously, they give a lot of their set material or stuff away to people, right? And then it gets auctioned off years yep. later. Well, Christopher Reeve's Superman outfit is up for auction wow, and they think it could cool. fetch up to around $500,000 which would be uh, the most expensive costume superhero costume in history 500k this is the cool part I reckon what it's up alongside at that auction uh, Darth Vader's gloves from the original Star Wars the original 77 yep, correct uh, what's uh, Earl uh, James Earl Jones James Earl Jones well he was um, just the voice what was he oh, no he, no, no he was wasn't inside he was no, just, just the voice, voice. um the Bible from Shawshank Redemption with the hammer oh, cut it. Yeah, that doesn't. Oh, that doesn't. Come on, you've seen Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, but Come I can't, on. I, yes, yes, I have. He, I can't hide, he hides the hammer in the Bible when the warden comes around. He shows him his Bible and he says, Salvation lies within. And he sort of makes a joke at the end of the movie saying, You were right. It does lie within. And it's the hammer. Um, so that's going up for auction as well. Um, Santa's sleigh from the movie Elf. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. With Will Ferrell, your Will Ferrell yeah, fan. Yep. And a chariot from Gladiator. Oh, that'd be neat. That'd be neato. Yeah. That'd be um, neato. Now, the record, uh, one of the records for the most expensive piece of film memorabilia or equipment, what do you think it is? Oh, God. Old. Yes. It's old. Think of an like an old classic. Wizard of Oz. Correct. And the, the red shoes. Dorothy's ruby slippers. Yep. Yeah, two million. Yeah. Two million. I may be old, but I'm not stupid. Two million dollars. <laughs> now, I'll give you a fact to finish. Yep, go. Because you like facts. Yep. Fact of the day. Fact of the day. Go. Providence, Rhode Island. Yes. In America. <laughs> Did you know that at 8.30 every single night in Providence, Rhode Island, skyscrapers, tugboats, hotels and police cars all flash and blink their line, uh, lights on and off to tell all the kids at the children's hospitals good night? Oh, isn't that cool? I think that's fantastic. Can I finish with one fun fact too? Go on. I don't think it's going to be, you know. No, it won't be that. Giving kids a good um, time in hospital, but go on. I've forgotten now. Oh, Deadpool 3. Oh, yeah, saw it. Who's coming back? Hugh Jackman. Hugh, as... Wolverine. Wolverine. 
Oh, okay. Did you see the video of them talking I, about I, it? I did, yes. <laughs> I, I love Ryan Reynolds. All right, it's 153. SEN. <laughs> 1.58, heading towards 2 o'clock. Busy hour on the next hour. After 2 o'clock, we're going to talk to Paul Berbera from Team Online Racing. He's racing in Repco Rally New Zealand this weekend in the WRC2. He's the navigator. His uh, pilot is Todd Bourne, one of a lot of Kiwis that are racing because there's not a huge amount of WRC1 and WRC2, but it's a whole heap of New Zealanders racing in the New Zealand Rally Championship. We'll also talk to Amelia Lake uh, from Greyhound Racing about uh, adopting adopting a Greyhound as Grey, uh, from Gap Greyhounds as pets. We've got the Mastermind Quiz and so much more and Sammy of course has got the Greyhound Racing Tips as well. Now speaking of the Repco Rally New Zealand, I just had a text in from Marshy. He said, is it all live and free on TV3 or Spark? Well it's all on Spark and there are highlights tomorrow night. I think it was around 10.30 I looked at Marshy on TV3 is, uh, looks like it's the 30 minute highlight package and I think that's happening every night of the rally so it'll be Spark Sport where you can watch or you can just check out on the Repco Rally site where you can go and find the spectator uh, points are for Repco Rally New Zealand of course the big one is Jack's Ridge out Whitford Way which is a magnificent Stage. It is a super stage, and they're going to run that twice on Sunday. Uh, traffic was going to be hectic out there, and you've got to make sure you get tickets as well because the viewing platforms for uh, Jack Roods are absolutely outstanding. And having had the opportunity to uh, be driven around it in a rally car, uh, it, is, it is really special. They've got big screens up and everything, so it's going to be a wondrous weekend. First time the rally's been back in New Zealand for a number of years, and they're already talking about bringing it back because it is one of those rallies that the rally drivers themselves love to come to because it's fast. And they love going fast and skating around New Zealand. Oh, that's right. Geordie Barrett sculled two beers in a row at the MCG. You're not allowed to do that. And he got booted out. They never booted Bob Hawke out for doing that. Well, he was the Prime Minister or ex-Prime Minister at the time. This is SNZ Afternoons with Stephen and Fistaffy. A whole heap coming your way after two. Stay with us. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Four on a Thursday afternoon here on SENZ and SEN around Australia on the app. It's quite simple to get amongst it and you can listen to us anywhere you go, anytime. How good is that? How good is this next 60 minutes? So hang around. We're, Sammy's got the greyhound at the hardest tips in just a moment. We're going to talk to Kiwi Navigator uh, from Team Online Racing, Paul Berber, shortly. Uh, we'll hear from Amelia Lake about uh, adopting a greyhound. Greyhounds as pet. Gap is what it's called. Not the store. And, of course, the mastermind quiz as well. Well, let's talk to our very own mastermind, Mr. Happy today. And that's uh, Sammy Hewitt, the producer. 
Come on, mate. Smile. I haven't seen you smile all day. Well, I'll smile when we uh, tip out some winners, shall I? We'll start with our harness horse. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. And we are raising money for uh, Dave Latelli and Butterbean Motivation. Boom. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Great man. Great man. If we can uh, nail some tips, then uh, we'll be very, very happy people. Now, we are going for the harness. We are going Sunday, um, and we're going to Timaru, uh, race nine, at uh, 4.32. So a nice little Sunday afternoon race for you. And um, have you watched Piggy Blinders? No. Oh, it's a great show. Um, the song in that, I'm a big fan of Piggy Blinders, and the song in that talks about a red right hand. Well, the ho- uh, the horse we're taking on Sunday at 4.32 is called, called Red, red, red right, right Hand, hand. <laughs> and uh, it is in great form, and it is chasing, and Staff will love this because he knows that I just pick people pick them based on the numbers uh, and the form. Uh, red Right Hand <laughs> is... There's nothing wrong with picking them on form. ...is know. looking for its third one in a row. It's so won it's, its a, last the, two. The, the, the numbers are low then on it, so you're not going to make a huge amount of money if it's a favourite. Is it a uh, favourite? Well, we don't know yet because the odds probably don't come out until, is it tomorrow, or maybe it's on Saturday? So um, I couldn't tell you. Well, I couldn't tell you because I'm not a punter, so there you go. Oh. Oh. Well, I think it's going to be a good tip, people, and uh, let's hope so, it uh, na- brings na- us the chocolates. Name again, please. Red Right Hand. Red Right Race hand. 9, number 13 at uh, Timaru on nine, Sunday. Race 9, number 13 at Timaru. Red Right Hand, that is the first tip. That, you sound like you're doing bingo there. You're <laughs> announcing the numbers. Let's go to the dogs. <laughs> it's the Great Greyhound Race in New Zealand charity run. Okay, so for the dogs, we are going to tomorrow. This might be on during the show, actually. Race three uh, at Eddington tomorrow, which uh, if I can pull it up here, um, it must not be at Eddington because there is no Eddington tomorrow. Maybe it's Tarapa. Maybe someone sold me up the creek here. Uh, Race three, I'll tell you what. You think people listen to your tips? Absolutely not, because um, they know that I have no idea what I'm doing. But it's all about charity, people. It's all about yeah. jumping on the charity. Um, it's amazing the work that Butterbean does out there in South Auckland, right, for, for the, the, the families that are in need. You would be staggered at the amount of families in need and the work he does constantly. And he's finally got a lot of people on board. And he finally actually got the government on board. It's, it's, he says to me it took him two years to get the government on board to support wow. him. Jeepers. Oh, yeah, he said they were just totally uh, – but there was just something going. There was something. And he he is the most persistent and lovable character you could ever meet, and it's he does it all for the right reasons. I'm trying to find our dog here, people, but I think um, I think I've got my races and my days muddled up. So oh, well, you uh, have gone to the dogs. Yeah, I have gone to the dogs. I tell you what, I'll, I'll go back and um, and find out exactly what, what race it's in. It's Mr. Muggins. If you know which race he's in, Mr. Muggins – that's who I'm taking in, in, my, gray, in my greyhounds. Getting the full service here. Yeah, I don't know yeah, where yeah. it is, but just follow Mr. Muggins tomorrow out. somewhere. I will find out, but if you know, you can let us know, but I will find out, and I'll tip it out for you. <laughs> That's brilliant, Sammy. That's brilliant. It's 2.08 on Thursday afternoon around Australia and New Zealand on the SEN or SENZ app. Uh, we talked about stadium experiences. Best experiences, this person on the Timber Bedpost text line, All Blacks versus Ireland and Hamilton, 2012. 
Ireland lost 16-0, but we were surrounded by Irish fans. It was a great night. Oh, I can imagine it would have been absolute cracker. Oh, okay, I on. did. Update, it, was, update, it, was where I, it was where I thought it was. I just hadn't clicked on the right tab. So it is tomorrow. It is at Addington, and it's race three, number three. Mr. Race Muggins. three, number three, yeah, and it's, Mr. Muggins. Yeah, it's coming Addington. off some pretty bad form, but uh, oh, wow. box three. I don't mind box three. Just you know, get out of the gate and push across the front. Okay, so you have to explain something to me. Oh, dear. We'll try, at okay. least. Where is box three? Uh, it's the third one along. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> no, don't be smart. Don't be smart. But from which side? From the left. Yeah, box one starts on the, in- on the against inside. the post, yeah. Well, that's all right. Yeah, it's that's fine. Not, not a bad draw, you no, might say. Correct. I Now, you, you asked me, and I know nothing about greyhounds, but what I've gleaned from my short time watching them is that if you're in the number one, you, you've you basically got to get out to the front first because otherwise you just get squeezed by all the dogs coming across mm-hmm. from up the top. So three's not terrible because you can sort it. If you can get out quick and, and cut your way through, then you you got the best position in the house. Is this you explaining it to the dog? <laughs> I w- if I was there, I'd be telling him to do this. I would okay. be in his I'd be in his ear. And I'll be saying, mate, this is what you got to do. Whether or not you listen to me is another question. <laughs> that is brilliant. It's 10 past 2, 0800 11 We're going to talk Repco Rally New Zealand next. Stay with us. Gal, fueling your mission all year round. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gal.nz. Your sports obsession satisfaction. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 2.15, and it's time to talk Repco Rally New Zealand. It all starts tonight around the Domain. Just think about this, 17 stages, just under 280 kilometres on oh, high-speed gravel roads, and it'll all start in the Auckland Domain. Uh, with, there's a start ceremony, of course, and they've got a 1.78-kilometre super special stage with around, which is just absolutely brilliant and will make great watching. Now, there are many, many rock stars around. We've got all the WRC ones, but also WRC2 is going to be a really interesting one to watch. Uh, Bates, SVG, uh, Hunt, and also the likes of Todd Borden and Paul Berber from uh, Team Online Racing, racing a an R5 uh, Ford Escort. And navigator Paul Berber joins us right now. G'day, Paul. Hey, Stephen. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Now, talk to me about uh, this team online racing. Are you, uh, you are actually racing in the WRC2 category, but will points go towards the New Zealand Rally Championship? Absolutely. This is a final round of the New Zealand Rally Championship for us. However, by, by the mere fact that we have a, a WRC2 car or, or Ford Fiesta R5, it makes us eligible to compete in the main field along with 11 other um, WRC2 Canary cars and, and obviously the 10 uh, P1 cars that are here from overseas. Would this be the first time you have driven in the WRC rally or nav nav in it? No, this will no, this will be my third attempt. Um, I've done two with uh, with Wayne Leach, who you know so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this will be my third attempt, but the first time ever competing in the main field because um, obviously these WRC two cars are, are quite special. And when we did it way back in the Sort of, uh, I think it was 20 years ago this year, which was the last time I did Rally New Zealand. Uh, we competed in Group N and Group A cars, uh, and we all competed together. So, uh, no, this is a special car, and we're very, very lucky to have it here in New Zealand. So, so Paul, Ricky was yesterday, wasn't it? So we started Ricky on uh, on Monday afternoon at Whitford and out at Jackswitch, where everyone can go and see us compete on Sunday. Uh, then Tuesday, we're all, all day in Tonga Coast and Te Aukau, north and south. Yesterday, up in Kaipara and Puhoi, 
um, and we're going to shake down this morning. We're in the service park right now, and we're about 30 minutes away from leaving and heading up to the domain where all action starts at 6 o'clock tonight. So the service park's down at the viaduct in Auckland, is that correct? That's right. We're down by the silos, down by uh, Emirates Team New Zealand's base. Uh, all the P1 uh, WRC cars and really two cars are in here. And then just off to the left of that, you'll find the 48 National Championship cars that fly us through all the stages over the weekend. What's the vibe like? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, we went to Shakedown this morning and we drove into the control. Normally you'd find a half a dozen marshals at the control and the odd strange or straggling spectator. Um, it was like a blanket of people. Uh, the buses stopped taking people into the spectator point because there were that many people. Uh, we were expecting to see thousands and thousands of people littering the roads over the next three days and uh, for the right reason, like the best cars and the best drivers in the world here. Now, talk Including to me. <laughs> well, you're part of it, mate, so you know, give yourself a wrap. Uh, but talk to me about the, the yeah. actual stages. What, what have you made of the, the 17 stages that, uh, that, that can get people excited about what they're going to see? Oh, look, the roads are in amazing condition. Uh, tomorrow we head, obviously, towards uh, probably one of the best stages in World Rally, Farnia Coast. Um, and the surface there is, is very abrasive. Uh, we believe from our weather reports that it's going to be dry. So tyre wear is going to be a major factor uh, tomorrow. Uh, we have to nominate our, nominate our towers by 8.56 this morning, uh, and we've probably gone a different direction than, than a number of other competitors in our class. Um, but it, you know, tomorrow tyre wear is a big thing. Sadly, we're looking at uh, potentially rain up north. Uh, tyres may not be such uh, a factor in the results on Saturday. However, um, you know, we don't have any spare ones as such, so we nominate enough to get us through the event just, uh, and then it, it comes down to tyre management. So it's not just how fast you can transverse the stages. Over the weekend, there's a lot of uh, mind games and uh, planning going into the whole event, that's for sure. Todd, what did you make of the new Jacks Ridge Sage? Oh, Andrew uh, Hawkswood and, and his son uh, Jack have done an amazing job up there. Uh, they've reshaped the jump, which will be interesting. We'll learn how, how to take that when we hit it the first time, I suppose. It <laughs> uh, wasn't really ideal in a recce car, um, but we'll learn when we hit it the first time, and, and then we'll learn whether we can go over there straight the second time or not. Uh, but it's a beautiful place, uh, an asset to uh, rallying uh, in, in New Zealand, and if you get an opportunity, I believe there's still some tickets available Jack's Bridge, and you should get out there on Sunday and see the world. Mate, I, I, uh, Mate I, was, I was fortunate enough to be driven around slowly in a, in a rally car and uh, an old Toyota, which, well, not an old, it wasn't a, an original Toyota. And um, there was a couple of blind corners there. If you can, if, there's a blind right. If you're not careful, you'll go over the, over the edge, won't you? There's one of those early in the piece. Oh, yeah, there's a few of those, and, uh, and there's clearly a lot of them out on the stages, and that's why we do recce, and hopefully we've done a good job of that, and we've marked all of those tricky corners, and um, now we can we can trust the notes and um, and get our rhythm going in the car because that's just as important as the rhythm from the car to the ground. And if we can get that rhythm right and and uh, get some um, trust going in the, inside the car, then we'll have a happy event, I'm sure, and we'll, we won't. Uh, we won't find those tricky corners. Paul, I've always wondered what, how often a navigator actually looks up from their notes while driving a rally. How, many, how often do you actually look out the window? Well, if I'm sitting in the car, I'm basically sitting on the floor and I can't see over the dash. Um, so if I do look at the road, I'm generally looking two corners in front of me because 
I can't see the corner directly in front of me. So some of it is done on feel, the feel of where the car's going and trying to get the delivery of the notes at the right time so they delivered to the driver sort of two corners in advance. So he's got to remember a lot as well as um, you know, put his skills through his hands and through his feet and, and get us around the course safely. Trust, as you have said, is a big issue. But honestly, how often do you sort of suck the old bum in a little bit when it's quite tight and you're in a blind corner going, well, I hope he gets this one right because McCall's, that's what it was? Uh, that happens from time to time, but I try not to show any emotion <laughs> or change my voice or anything until we actually get to that final stock control. And then uh, all the hunt troops come out, and um, I don't think he's hit me once, and I haven't hit him yet, but... Um, uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of laughter in the car and sometimes there's some close calls and sometimes everything goes really, really well and you, you, you have, a, have a, a bit of fun at the end of congratulating each other on how well that stage went. So let's talk just briefly about Team Online Racing, your R5 Focus, which is a beautiful car. How long has it taken you to get to this point to have the car ready to go? Um, when we bought the car, or Todd bought the car 12 months ago, it came in from Europe. It's made by the M Sport factory or the Factory 14. It was brand new when it arrived here. We've done the national championship. We've had a little bit of bad luck um, with the car up until now, but we believe we've got it sorted. Um, we've got a team of six people here today working on the car. Four of them have basically worked full-time on the car for the last six weeks. Um, they worked till 11.30 last night. They were back here at 5.30 this morning. They're still working right in front of me now. And we'll be leaving here in about uh, 25 minutes and heading for the domain. So uh, they'll work right up to that last minute. We do the domain and we come back here and we have an hour service tonight. Uh, sorry, a 15-minute service tonight before we go and tackle the best part of half the rally in one day with absolutely no service tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. So you'll want a good sleep because I, I, I'm told that's what it's a, a 5.45 start to, uh, tomorrow morning. Yep, first car's out of the service park in Hammer Street at 5.45. We leave at 6.26. We're running about 46 minutes behind the main cars. Uh, the, the P1 cars tomorrow, there's 10 of them. They'll start in three-minute intervals out on the stages. If you're watching, uh, then there'll be a couple of minutes back to Hayden Patton, the first of WIC2 cars, and then we'll all run at one-minute intervals from there. So looking forward to a big day, probably the biggest day, biggest running day of our lives without any service whatsoever apart from the tyre change in Raglan and uh, just looking forward to this event like you wouldn't believe. Uh, genuine, you sound very calm, but genuinely how excited are you? Oh, absolutely excited. You know, good opportunities like this. Just very often there's 12 cars in our class, 12 WRC2 cars in the whole field. Uh, of that is about nine Kiwis. Nine of us lucky enough to have a car that's eligible to compete in that um, of those nine cars, I think four of them are 84 cars that have been modified to the safety specs. So there's actually only five genuinely eligible WRC2 cars in New Zealand doing this event. So that's five of us out of a normal field of 100. It's, um, it's a pretty special occasion, and we're very, very honoured uh, and thankful to Todd and all the boys for making this opportunity possible for us. Mate, go get it. Have some fun. Be safe too, OK? Thanks, Yep. Um, look forward to 
chatting with you at the end of the rally. All right, mate. There you go. Paul Berber and uh, Todd Borden and Team Online Racing. It's a WRC2 uh, uh, Ford SRS. Focus. Well, it's a Ford. It's a Ford RS. It's a R5 Ford uh, Focus. Focus. And it's come out of one of the very best factories that make rally cars, which, which is M Sport. How about that? It all starts today. So uh, tonight around the domain and then they're off to the big one, which is uh, Whanga Coast and then all through the Waikato region and roads near Te Ako. Half the rally in one day. How cool is that? Stick around. News is not too far away. Then we talk about adopting greyhounds. There's no break here. I got all excited that there was going to be a break there. So, okay, Mr. Tell me that there's no break. What did you make of that? So, this, this, the WRC2 class has got the likes of SVG, Ben Hunt, uh, uh, Andrew Bates, who's the son of a, a rally legend. Then you've got a lot of other cars. Does this, does this spin you, <laughs> cliche, does this spin your wheels, this whole rally? Because there's been a so, and this is a multi million dollar event, by the way. It's, it's costing something like in, the, in excess of $5 million to put on. I used to love um, the WRC back, in the, back when I was a kid. I used to play all the video games. That's generally what got me into certain sports, and I really got into WRC. Um, that was, you know, early sort of Sebastian Loeb days and that. Um, I just feel like I would be interested, but I, I haven't really heard much of it. You know, like I, I've seen bits and pieces, but I didn't really know. Yeah. And, and the problem is too, I think, when you, you – obviously don't watch Sky Speed, which is a, a major disappointment from the start. I'm sorry, mate. I, yeah, too many, too many shows to keep a track of. But I, <laughs> um, I've heard – obviously been keeping up with Rally New Zealand, and yeah. I feel like – it's sort of blended. I felt like this was another Rally New Zealand event rather than being a WRC event. Yeah. And so that maybe is where my confusions come in. But or, or, or is it simply just because it's not in your wheelhouse? Probably right? that. That's, wheelhouse. What I, Look at that wheelhouse. that's That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, probably, yeah. but I'm um, not being advertised. But SVG, like... I, I know you, where you're going with this one. Yeah. He, he is probably one of the most amazing individuals. How do you go from V8 to rally? I mean, I know you because, can... Because he is a freak of yeah. nature when it comes wow. to understanding a car. His first rally uh, was two years ago in COVID. He, he won the, the one-day Auckland rally, mm. then won, went out and won what is known as Jack's Ridge, which we had live on Skype, which is just this amazing, oh, no, the like big one hill big superstar. The whole, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, all that's been covered in now. Has you, it? Oh, my God. Because all the photos the, were great. The, the, all yeah, that over jump there. is now, that, that whole area where they dug down. and it was too big, dangerous. No, they've just changed the Andrew oh, okay. Hawkeswood. It's his own property. It's near my house. It's because they yeah. go through Puhu. It's real close to it's, where I live. So that's all been. Fl- it's, it's, it's the money they've spent, and the, there's something like three thousand tons of well, of dirt that's been in to fill the huge gap where Murph popped his tire and he buggered up his his run the whole nine yards, and uh, it is stunning. But SVG to come back to him, so he does that, and then he goes and races in a Canberra Rally opening round this year in Rally Australia. Come second against mm. race proper bread, rally race driven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he loves it. He absolutely loves it, and he has this innate feel for a car. The only other person I know that has a feel for hopping into something completely different is Murph. Right, uh, and Murph. When I first hopped in a car with him. We didn't even test. It was just a Lamborghini down at Highlands. You just hop in and go for a... Oh, yeah, uh, just, a, just a Lamborghini. Yeah. Well, it was the track car. Okay, a skater, <laughs> a skater around the track. And I went, oh, my gosh, 
He's just doing it, and he mm. and I'm, I'm about to vomit with all the braking going on and him <laughs> heaving the car around the corner. He's just, hey, how good sis? <laughs> looking at the mirror, looking at me. Oh, yeah, fantastic. SVG is now talking in talks with Trackhouse Racing in America to do potentially a guest round mm. in NASCAR next year that Kimi Raikkonen did this year and was running 10th on a road course until he got punted. Mm. And I saw, I read somewhere someone saying that SVG would be a rock star and a hit in NASCAR. The thing people fail to realise is, and we've had him on Sky Speed, the show that you should watch every Tuesday, um, he is actually really happy to stay in supercars. He, he, I feel like he's done he, everything he in supercars. His, he love, yeah, well, he loves his life there. He loves the lifestyle, but he likes the opportunity to go and do other things, like he did Le Mans this, Le Mans this year. Mm. He'll, he's, he'll run, run, maybe run the Bathurst 12-hour again if his bosses allow him, if it's in his contract. So don't be surprised if he turns up and is, does a NASCAR race next year. I, he is... Look, and the other big thing about Shane that's been the big improvement, he's now actually really happy to talk to people more. He was, was very gun-shy with the media, very yeah. gun-shy. Now there's just been this huge sea change and so much more. So don't be surprised that he is there or thereabouts – in WRC two this weekend, yeah, I um and rally I have a, I mean I have a respect for all of them, but I got massive respect for the rally drivers because, you know, supercars, you know, Formula One, all these sorts of ones, they they are dangerous for sure. They're dangerous because of the speed, but, rally, but see, rally it's open road, you know, and you're just and you're talking gravel and trees it's and like driving on ice, yeah, and and these guys they basically drift for ninety percent of the course. They have cojones the size of watermelons. Let's leave it at that one. It's, How fast do they go, by the way? Uh, fast enough. I actually don't know. They're probably getting. You'd, you'd probably do easy. high hundies. Yeah, high hundies. Yeah. High hundies. That's a, yeah, yeah. Oh, look. on a gravel road. Yeah, it is. Okay, coming shortly, we're going to talk adopting a greyhound. But first of all, here's Johnny. I can't find the words. I just go. on SENZ and SEN on the app around Australia and New Zealand. I hope your Thursday afternoon is going fine. Have you ever thought about having a greyhound as a pet? It's called Greyhound as Pets, and their marketing team leader is a lovely lady called Amelia Lake. Hi, Amelia. Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You are more than welcome. All right, talk to us about greyhounds as pets. At the weekend, there was the Great Global Greyhound Walk. What was that all about? Yeah, so it's actually a worldwide phenomenon um, and it's about just raising awareness for greyhounds as a breed, really. Um, There were actually over 10,000 sighthounds who did the walk worldwide. But in New Zealand, we uh, we bet bet last year's record and we had uh, uh, 559 hounds walking all across New Zealand in 24 different walks. Wow, Uh, that's pretty cool. So is it a big deal to rehome a greyhound? Well, yes and no, yes, because obviously it's, it, it's an important part of the of the process of the greyhound's life. You know, they've finished up with their racing career and it's the next step in their life to um, have a lovely retirement uh, life and become a pet. Um, no, in the sense that, you know, they are absolutely amazing pets, so... It's not a big deal to to take one on. They're they're absolutely gorgeous, beautiful dogs, and um, 
yeah, they 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 just thrive as pets, really. They've been trained to do one thing, right? So, are there any sort of hiccups in in rehoming them and turning, shall I say, into a normal pet? Or is that too big a stretch? Well, I mean, you are adopting an adult dog, so with any adult dog, you know, there's going to be a few things that they need to adjust to depending on the home that they're going in. I mean, they're just little things, like sometimes, you know, they haven't encountered things such as stairs, so if you have stairs in your house, you know, it takes a while to to learn the the wider world, I suppose, of pet life. Um, But once they're settled in, um, as I said before, they just thrive and they're so loyal. Once they kind of know, they go, okay, yep, this is my home. Um, they just become this absolutely loving pet who just wants to snuggle, snuggle up for you. It's really funny because we're talking about this because I was walking my little handbag dog the other day and <laughs> and came and came across someone walking a greyhound because they're quite they're quite large dogs and are they good for families? Because I can imagine I can imagine kitties going oh that's that's just about you know that whole perception thing of being oh is this a family dog? Yeah, definitely. I mean. We they are all assessed as they come into us, so we do have some that are better suited to families and some that might want to just be with adults or older children. But we certainly have greyhounds who are part of families with babies, with toddlers, you know, all through the ages. So we we work on a sort of matchmaking process where uh, people come to us and they tell us about their lifestyle, what they're looking for in a dog, and we we wait for the perfect dog to come up and we match them match them with that greyhound they're fast they're short and fast but short you know short distance should I say how much exercise do they need look most of them are happy with 20 30 minute walk a day we do get more active ones and again it depends on your lifestyle what you're looking for so if you're looking for uh, someone, a, a buddy to go on a 5k run with you every morning uh, we, we will find the greyhound that you know is looking for a more active lifestyle. But on average, they're quite lazy. We call them our 60-mile-per-hour couch potatoes. <laughs> a bit like a Great Dane, right? They're, they're, they're a big couch potato, right? Exactly, yeah. They love to sleep. They actually sleep around 18 hours a day. Oh, my goodness. All right, that sounds like the perfect dog. What about what yeah. about, what about about Appetite? Appetite? Yeah, they, they are a big dog, but, you know, they don't eat as much as, you know, a mastiff or that sort of thing would. Um, they, yeah, they they don't. They're not as expensive to feed as one of your large giant breeds. But you know, they are a big dog, so um, you know you're going to have to feed them. <laughs> How the heck did you get into being a marketing league for greyhounds as pets? And and I, you, you sound like you're a dog lover. I'm an absolute dog lover, and we have two greyhounds in the family, so you know I'm a bit biased towards them. Um, so when the opportunity came up, I, I really leaped at it because you know I think they really sell themselves. They're a very unique dog, but I also think they suit a very wide range of people um, because they can actually live in apartments, so they don't need a huge amount of space to run around, which I suppose is the the biggest min- misconception about them. So I do think that um, you know I have I do have a you know a passion for greyhounds, but I think that there's a lot of people out there who don't actually realise what amazing pets they make. So I, I love I love educating people on that. What's your daily routine like at greyhounds as, as pets? 
my daily routine is I look at lots of dogs that we come that come through. Um, I get to read all about them and their special quirks, and then I um, like I write, you know content and uh, put them out on social media and basically let the wider world know that these are the dogs we have available and, you know, what makes them unique and amazing. On a daily basis or weekly basis, how many dogs are you trying to rehome? Well, at the moment, we have about 50 greyhounds in our care and that's across all of New Zealand. So that, that sort of at one time, I suppose we have around 50 greyhounds in our care that we're looking for homes for. Will you home them? Yes, absolutely. They all find homes. As, as long as it takes, we will um, we will support the greyhound with whatever they need to, to find that home. So if that takes one week or if it takes one year, we're with them every step of the journey. So really, owning a greyhound is pretty low-level hassle, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's going to be a transition period when you when you bring home a greyhound, same as any adult dog. I mean, even a puppy is hard work, let's face it, you know, because they haven't known anything else, right? So they've got to have some time to adjust to their new world. But once they get through that period, they really start to shine as a pet. Their personality comes out. And as I said, they just are really, really loyal and they will be your absolute cuddle buddy. And greyhounds as pets will offer new owner support? Absolutely, yes. We have a quite an extensive aftercare program. So with our any of our adoptees along the way, any questions that you have, we have a dedicated aftercare support person. But we also hold uh, Zooms and, and things like that for all new adopters to join, to ask any questions with a dog behaviourist, that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're definitely there to support you every step of the way. Nuts and bolts, how expensive is it? <laughs> to own a greyhound? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's any more or less expensive than owning any other dog. Um, they they are prone to some some conditions, but then they don't get other conditions such as hip dysplasia and that sort of thing. So, in my opinion, uh, it's the same. There's no massive difference here or there um, with any yeah. other breed of dog. And what's the upfront cost for prospective greyhound owners? The, so our adoption fee is $450, which I think is actually pretty amazing considering you're getting, you know, a, a pure purebred yeah, dog um, and with the amount of support that you get with the dog as well. Obviously, you're going to have to buy food and um, a collar and a lead and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a huge break-the-bank uh, cost. Well, that sounds brilliant. Okay, so if someone wants to adopt a greyhound, how do they get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can go to our website, greyhoundspets.org.nz. You can look at all of our lovely uh, greyhounds who are looking for homes on there. And um, you can also find all of our contact details on there as well. Sounds perfect. Amelia, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. How interesting is that? Greyhound is a pet. They are quite gracious when you see them. It's a big long nose, the big snout that, that I was trying to say a little bit scary for me, but... 
but be beautiful. Okay, but big, big lazy dog. How be, how how good is that? Two forty two. All right, time for mastermind, folks. Your chance to win a one hundred dollar lifestyle focus voucher. Uh, you don't have much to beat because if you're the highest by the end of tomorrow, you'll win. And the number you have to beat one. One. So 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Get on it now. Oh, topic, topic, topic. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, right. World Rally Championships. World Rally Championships, since we have Repco Rally New Zealand on starting tonight. World Rally Championships is the topic. 0800 150811. 0800 150811. Get amongst it. Go. Fueling your mission all year round. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gal.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, Stephen Heddle, 4, 248, and you've all been scared off. You've all been scared off from Mastermind, and you don't want to play the game with the World Rally Championship, so that bounces to tomorrow, where you could win that $100 voucher, and there's only one question that got right this week, so I only have to get two if you're the caller, and you will win that $100 Lifestyle Rugby Focus voucher. In the meantime, ahead of our big chat with Andy Raymond about the Dally M's last night and the grand final, I th- we thought Sam and I would play you this probably has been considered one of the the, the smartest uh, acceptance speeches in a long, long time from Coach of the Year, Todd Payton. Uh, this is a nice consolation for what was a disappointing result last Friday, but um, just want to firstly, everyone in that roped-off area, everyone outside of the roped-off area, uh, are envious of what you're going to experience on Sunday and Wish Brad and Ivan uh, and the respective squads and all the girls um, getting there is really hard. Whether you win or lose, it's a great achievement. So best of luck to everyone involved. Um, I'm accepting this award, standing on the shoulders of so many people inside and outside of our club. Um, I'm going to start with my um, beautiful wife. She has followed me uh, from Sydney to Townsville, Townsville to New Zealand. Um, she had a successful career, path orientated. Um, she's given me three beautiful kids and some great support along the way. And um, really lucky. I don't know who's lucky here, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, without your love and support, um, I wouldn't be able to do. Um, what I'm able to do from Monday to Friday and Saturday, Sunday and every hour in between. So thank you very much. Um, while I'm here, I just want to thank um, all the wives and partners of all our players in the game. We lead a hedonistic life. Um, it's gruelling, it's taxing and you guys and the partners um, play a big part in what our boys are allowed to do. Um, so keep propping them up, keep making them be better off the field and, um, you know, we'll do our jobs to make sure that they're, they're good both on and off the field. So thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to start with Lewis and Jeff and the board. Um, thanks for the support and unwavering commitment um, offering um, myself and our staff and our players every opportunity to improve as a as a squad. Um, you know, 
I really enjoy the autonomy that went along with that, and um, you guys have provided us with every opportunity to improve, and so thank you. Um, yeah, our football department, um, medical, coaching, high performance, pathways, our club's full of great people, and you guys have done a tremendous job, whether we've coached them or managed them, our players in many different ways. Um, I love turning up to work every day with you guys, um, and it makes my job so enjoyable because of the people that I work with, so I really appreciate that. And look, before I start with our players, I want to start with all the players in the room. Um, you guys are warriors, you really are. Our, our game's so tough to play. And um, it's physically tough, it's mentally demanding. And what you put your bodies and your minds through week after week, um, right, it's, it's, it's so awesome. And you know, my job is easy because of the strength of character in our, in our game through the men we have. Um, and I'm going to finish with our players. So I want to thank you guys for trusting me and our staff. Um, asked you guys, or I said the first day back in pre-season, that the only limitations that we have are the, the decisions that we make as a group and as individuals. And you guys gave yourself to the team. You gave yourselves to me and to the staff. And you worked really, really hard day after day. And that's why we improved so dramatically. It is disappointing with the way it finished. But what we've done, we've set ourselves up moving forward. And there's only a few things that are going to hold us back. It's either our attitude, injury, bounce of the ball, the referee's calls. And um, we can control our attitude. And I can guarantee you that I'll be pushing us along for the next little period. So enjoy your break. Uh, it's well deserved and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Todd, the coach of the year from the North Queensland Cowboys. And when you think about the way he delivered that speech, it was very matter-of-fact, but laced with some very strong emotion. And you know what? If you'd, if you'd and he won a grand final in, what, 2005 as a part of uh, the Benji moment uh, for the West Tigers and has turned into now one of the most marketable coaches going around and about to, ex- uh, to extend his contract with a multi-million dollar contract. And why not? Remember, they were 15th last year. He took them to one game away from the grand final this year. That is saying something. We'll talk more about the grand final and the Dally M's after 3 o'clock this afternoon. It's 2.54. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Finally, after three hours, we get some decent music. Uh, okay, now, so what you're saying is the Foo Fighters and the Doobie Brothers are not good music. Well, it just wasn't. Just want to clarify it that, because there'll be people Doobie out there. Doobie Brothers was fine, but this is a little more uplifting for me. So okay. you're not a fan of the Foos. Interesting. Not a, fa- not Interesting. a fan. Not a, well, do I have to be a fan of the Foos? Yes, actually. Oh, right. So... <laughs> So I have to pledge my allegiance to the Foos, oh mighty one. There was another one I played in there as well, but I can't remember who the yeah, artist was. But it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. No, okay. All righty. So uh, what happens next? I think I've got this one. All right. Well, I'll just play the first part yep. for people that might have just joined us. Here comes a Hyundai hero now. And 
we need to get the clocks up and find out is history about to be made or has it all been in vain? Who's the Hyundai hero, Stephen? Hayden Patton. You think so? Oh. Interesting. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, well, what do you think it is, though? Hayden Patton, what do you think Hayden it is? Hayden Patton winning Argentina, the rally of Argentina in 2016. Okay, okay. Oh, you are kidding me. It's not, is it? Play, okay, play it out, All pal. Right. Come well, on. We'll find out. Here comes a Hyundai hero now. And we need to get the clocks up and find out. Is history about to be made or has it all been in vain? There they are. 2.6 seconds was the margin at the top. The end of the weekend is there. Now the clocks say he has done it. He's done it, but does he know? I don't think they do. Well, they do. Really? Yeah. And now the news is broken to the crew. I know that laugh. Patton and Kenner join the WRC Winners Club, the first Kiwis to take a round of the World Championship ever. The Kiwi has soared over the condor. Told you. Well done. Come on, that wasn't bad, hey? Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad at all. It was a gimme. <laughs> you know? It wasn't the most exciting commentary. No, no, it, it wasn't. Really I was expecting something of it. No. But I guess rally commentary, because that's the hardest thing. They're not racing, they're racing a clock. They're not racing yeah, side I mean, by side. And, and it's the most, probably the, the most expensive, um, uh, one of the most expensive sports to cover, which is why highlights are so much perfect. That is live on Spark this weekend with highlights on TV3 around 10.30 tonight and tomorrow night and, and whatever. Uh, but you've got... You, You've, what was that? I have no idea, but you? it scared me. God, got me too. Uh, holy hell, uh, that, that popped up. Anywho. Uh, was that you? I, I don't know. Was that you? I didn't touch anything. Oh, was, Stephen, was, was, just <laughs> keep your hands away, mate. <laughs> all right, so uh, we're going to pick a winner of that? Or are you yeah. Just gonna, all right, are you, are you going to pick a winner? Yeah. We'll pick a winner. We'll toss a coin. Um, well, do I have to pick one off the t- text line? No, I'll, t- I'll toss a coin. Okay, toss a coin then and we'll yeah. figure it out. Um, now, we've got a couple of texts in that you want to respond to. I will read them out. Go on. Uh, so the first one was Todd. Well, this is in reference to the Todd Payton winning Coach of the Year of the Daily M's last night. Uh, Elliot comes in and says, Todd Payton, just another tyre kicker that used the Warriors to leapfrog his career. Uh, Steve-O... Okay, I'll accept it. What does it say about the decision making at the Warriors that we can't let coaches like Peyton and that we can let coaches like Peyton and Cleary go? Let's take Cleary out of the equation. Different story. Reckon the upper management have as much to answer for as the players. Yes, on the Cleary issue, not so on the Peyton one because yeah. I- uh, talking with with Todd Payton, once you realise the reasons, you're very quick to walk away from those reasons. And I, a lot of fans were in that camp until finding out that the reason why Todd Payton left was his wife's father, so his father-in-law, um, was going through cancer. And he made the decision to leave the club and go home without any job on the table. He made the choice that we're going to go back and be close to dad before he had anything offered to him. Once he made the decision, and I'm sure news got out and got around, um, then offers started coming in. The Cowboys gave him an offer. So, you know, the timing of it from a public point of view, because you wouldn't have heard all of that at once, right? You probably thought he was staying and then found out, oh, he's going to the Cowboys. But that was the reasons why. Once you hear that, I think you just can't fault the guy. And he even said, he said, mate, I love the club. 
I love the Warriors. Um, I love the club, what they gave to me and my family, um, and it got very, very high respect for Andrew Webster, um, who's coming in. So I once I heard that, him say that, I just thought, mate, I, you cannot blame the guy at all, and I don't think it's anyone's fault. Oh, so were you part of the doubting Thomases initially without knowing I, that? I, I was critical of the club, not Todd Payton. Yeah. I was critical of the club saying, how do you let this guy go? But once I heard that, I thought, no, no one could have done anything there. The Ivan one? Is a lot different. Yeah, let's leave that one alone. It's 3 09. We're going to talk to Andy Raymond in just a moment. Parramatta fans, probably the wrong term. Parramatta tragic. <laughs> tragic is probably the more correct term, mate. I, uh, as, a, as a little fella, um, was brought home to uh, the house by my mother and father. It was 10 minutes from Parramatta Stadium and lived there all my childhood life. Uh, we would ride down our BMX bikes to the old Cumberland Stadium, then the Parramatta Stadium, uh, very regularly, and uh, blue and gold through and through. And have never, um, have never backed away from that. I've actually, you know, a, a lot of my career, I've sort of encouraged the banter that I am an Eels fan, and, and I'm one of the very few commentators that, that have actually come out and said, yeah, of course. I support a side. Uh, you got to support a side to, to be a fanatic and to, to, to do this job, and I'm an Eels guy. Who were your heroes growing up? Uh, the heroes growing up, I was lucky enough to, to grow up throughout that wonderful era of the early to mid-'80s with the Eels. So if I could have been Peter Sterling, Brett Kenny, Ray Price, Mick Cronin, you know, and the list goes on, I... I would have been. They were they were my heroes. Um, and as a, a young early teen, watching those guys do their thing, yeah, it certainly shaped my rugby league uh, knowledge and passion towards the blue and gold. Did it ever make you want to play though, mate? I, I played as a junior, but one of those uh, many many thousands <laughs> that uh, got close, uh, just not good enough. Played. All my junior representative down at Parramatta, but just not good enough to to make the top grade, um, and would have absolutely loved to. Which is why I've always said, mate, there is no such thing as a bad first grader. And we, we the advent of social media, it's pretty easy to go on and and tear some of these kids a new one and say how bad they are and they're this and they they're that. They're elite just to get there. No one gets there by fluke, and there is no such thing in my mind as a bad first grader. Well, you almost echo the words of Nico Hines in his Delhi M Awards speech last night where he suggested that, and he paid homage to all the all the little clubs he'd, he'd been in, all the, the route that he took through Q Cup, and he said, you know, yep. and, and he said, try so hard. If you want to be there, you can be here like I am. And he said five years ago, I was looking at the stage saying, wouldn't it be great if that was me? And I, I don't think I've heard a better speech in a long, long time from a, a Dallium Award winner uh, giving, giving back in a sunny way and, and, and taking the, the, uh, the attention off himself. He's a remarkable young man, and I've had the pleasure and privilege of, of knowing and being mates with Nico since his under-20 days at Manly. And he was a, he was a young number six then, short hair, big body and very, very talented. And I could never understand why he wasn't picked up and he ended up in the Q Cup. He ended up, um, you know, uh, 
a journeyman, basically given an opportunity by the Melbourne Storm. Um, and it's a it's a wonderful example of a, a young man with a good head on his shoulders, tough upbringing, really tough upbringing. And it's not for me to tell his story. He'll tell it at some stage when he's right. But a, a really tough upbringing. And he, he has done it the hard way. And the levels of maturity and mm. the level of how grounded he is is just awesome. He is, in my eyes, one of the ultimate ambassadors for rugby league. Which, for me, has just popped out out of nowhere because it was Nico Hines and he was sort of down the pecking order at the Melbourne Storm, and then he's bought as a marquee player by the very intelligent yeah. Craig Fitzgibbon and has brought the best out of him. So it's it's really, I, I suppose it's the worst cliche you could say, but it's, in a funny way, it's a rags-to-riches type of story, isn't it? it? Mate, it very much is. And I'll tell you what, this may sound like a silly call on uh, the outside. I, th- I think Melbourne have stuffed up. I really do. Uh, I think Nick Hines could have been their six or their one uh, long-term. Now, I think Cameron Munster will be leaving the Melbourne Storm and Ryan Pappenhausen, who I've known since four years of age, he went to school with my kids, <laughs> is a um, is a wonderful footballer, but injuries find him and, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. He, he's, he's not a big frame, but injuries find him and, and I think Ryan over the years will be seen as as the guy with unlimited potential that just wasn't able to put a full season together, uh, which means, you know, those two not playing 25 games a year where Nico has a certain level of consistency uh, and improvement left in him, I think Melbourne really regret letting Nico Hines go. Well, he was a, a deserving recipient of the 2022 Delium Award, as was, I thought, Isaiah Yo as Captain of the Year. I liken him, for Kiwi listeners, uh, to Simon Mannering. Softly spoken, yeah. doesn't really like the media, and every time he puts on that jersey, you get 110% out of him. You know exactly what you're going to get and when you're going to get it from Isaiah Yo. Uh, a guy, as you said, I don't know if it's, he doesn't like the media, but he'd just rather be playing footy. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a he's a really basic country kid, and I say that respectfully. But he's just a basic country kid, and this big city bright lights thing is uh, is very overwhelming for some of these kids. I think he's fulfilling his duties as an ambassador really well. I think he's talking really well to the media, expressing himself and handling himself really well. I thought. I thought he was a, a wonderful uh, choice as captain of the year. In fact, I can't go past any of the recipients last night and really mount a challenge to say they don't deserve that. I think they all deserved it. Yeah, there was a few unlucky guys within the room, but um, by in large, I, I think uh, the voting system, which is often maligned, often maligned, <laughs> I think it got it right. All right, let's 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 move on to the the big dance, uh, Parramatta. Many of uh, the experts are saying Parramatta by two, Parramatta by four, and Clint Gutherson wins the Clive Churchill Medal. How do you see it? I think you'll know within the first five minutes, and that's oh, a that could that's make a it a long seventy-five, trend. mate. That could make it a long seventy-five. Yeah, it it does. Um, and as a as a guy that 
continues to watch each and every game uh, of rugby league that there is and, and studies it and, and studies form. With Parramatta, you know if they're up for the physical battle within the first five minutes. If they're up for it, it's game on. If they're not up for it and they get jammed in the first five, ten minutes, it's going to be a long old evening if you're wearing a para jersey. Um, so many times throughout this year, the Eels' focus from uh, detractors has been on, oh, Mike is not ready, or Will Penasini can't tackle, or Wunga Blake can't catch a bomb. It comes down to the two front rowers, Regan Campbell, Gillard, and Junior Paulo. Mate, there is a statistic for everything, and I think in the modern day with sports science the way it is, statistics the way it is, we overcomplicate what is a really simple game. And that was the simple game that, you know, our vintage grew up watching. You hold the ball more than your opposition and you bash the opposition more than they bash you. And if you do those two things, guess what's going to happen? You're going to win the bloody game of footy. (laughs) And they've thrown in Nathan Brown. He's come from back from the wilderness. And I wonder, is that going to be that, that little bit of extra for them? Uh, yeah, I, I think it will. I, I think Nathan Brown starts. I think there'll be. Uh, I think there'll be a change. I think Nathan Brown will start in place of Ryan Madison at lock, and I think he'll have a target on Nathan Cleary. I think at the end, uh, tackle number five every time the Panthers play the ball. Yeah. I think Reed Marnie and Nathan Brown will be at marker, meaning they're closest to Nathan Cleary. And I think they put him on his uh, his A55 each and every time for the first five or six kicks just to let him know you don't have any time today. We're here and we're going to keep doing this. Yeah, you, you do that because there's one player that has, I don't think, has played up to expectation. I think we've discussed this, and that's Jerome Luai. And and that's what scares me. If, if they look after Cleary, Luai might just explode at the right time. Yeah, I think there's a bit of pressure on Jerome. I think he's, um, I think he's struggled a little bit in his comeback from injury. I don't think he's had a great year. I don't think he had a great state of origin. Sure, very talented kid, and uh, and still, and he's a kid. He really is. Uh, you know, these are young men we're talking about, not not established campaigners. Um, so there is going to be a bit of pressure on him. History says if you shut down Nathan, you also shut down Jerome and to an effect Dylan Edwards, the fullback, because he is so reliant on those two guys not making the break but creating the break and that's where Dylan Edwards has come into his own. You know, there is one player they're not talking about in Clive Churchill Medal, and you can correct me completely if I'm wrong. It was a former warrior, former Manly, who didn't look great. At Parramatta, he has become a different player. Sean Lane on the edge. Playing really good footy and has timed his run just perfectly. And how much of this is in the timing with the Parramatta Reels? Uh, You know, really interesting to see how it worked out. Mate, I did a... um, just veering off here yeah. a little bit, I did a podcast interview with Daily Cherry Evans uh, going back two years ago where DCE, another guy who's off on the line, uh, he spoke about when they win premierships or when they're going into origin. He sits down with a pen and paper and looks at his team and looks at the opposition team. And the only thing he's interested in is who is playing career best footy. 
and he goes through and he marks who's playing career best footy. And he said, if our team has got more marks playing career best footy than them, I think we win. If they've got more than us, I think it's a struggle. So as a result, Sean Lane is one that I would put a tick next to saying career best footy. And I think Parramatta, they edge Penrith on who is playing career best footy at the moment. Completely. At the M- moment. Mitchell Moses, Dylan Brown. That's 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 lightning. Yeah, exactly right. I think you could throw Will Penasini in there. I don't think Gutho's too far off. I think they're seeing the best of Regan Campbell-Gillard, Reid Marnie, Sean Lane, uh, Ryan Madison, Oregon Kafusi and Murata Niakore, who's going to be a wonderful pick-up for the Warriors. I think they all get ticks as playing career best footy. Mate, you just named the whole squad, so uh, that, that's that's where your yeah. tra- that's where your tragic comes in. But we just have to quickly look at uh, Penrith, and the one thing that scares me, they are clinicians in this game. They will soak up as much as you throw at them, and then they will pull the switch. But they will, and um, and they they get they're going to need to. Parramatta can get overly physical. Um, the Panthers maybe a little light on on size in the middle of the park, but they do have coming off the bench a guy that I think is following a very similar trajectory to Joe Tarpany in Spencer Linu, mm. who I think is going to be the best front rower in the game in four or five years. Tough. He's got a little bit of that stuff in him that you want uh, for a front rower. Um, they're, they're, a, they're a terrific footy side, and if they click, they're going to be you know, mate, they're going to be really hard to beat if they click. Okay, call it rationally. <laughs> uh, Parramatta by seven with a Mitch Moses field goal in the 73rd minute to secure it. Mate, I'll, I'll take that. And it's good to know that the listeners of Andy Raymond Unfiltered can, I think it's, what, episode 345, you're doing, uh, you've got a grand final edition as well. Mate, got a grand, two grand final editions this week, and it's uh, it's a really cool look back at grand finals in history. We've got uh, Greg Alexander, Luke Lewis, Adrian Morley, Gord Tallis, uh, John Sutton, Brett Kenny, talking about the 1981 grand final. We've got Stacey Jones and Kevin Campion talking about 02. We've got Anthony Minicello. A really cool week on the podcast, mate. Really proud of it. Oh, that's Andy Raman Unfiltered. Wherever you get your podcast, check it out. And up, up, para, mate. You better believe it, because when the eels are flying, they're electrifying. It is 3.32, and this is Afternoons with Stephen Verstaffi, brought to you by Gull, fueling your mission all year round. I just wonder, who do you think will win the grand final this weekend? 0800 150811, that's 0800 150811, or you can text on the Temper Bedpost text line, but at this time of the day, I wouldn't mind a bit of a chat. Uh, speaking of which, Sam's just uh, come in and uh, for our Spark Sport update with Spark Sport to see sports differently, Samuel. Wow. Um, do, you wow. Know what, do you know Spark Sport this weekend, what it's all about? Uh, Repco Rally New Zealand. About motorsport this weekend. Uh, it's about motorsport. Oh, Singapore Grand Prix as well. Correct. The nighttime Grand Prix on Sunday evening. Not a bad time at 11.30. Oh, now I will yeah. be watching that. So Good. normally I'll no, be, no I'll be 3 honest. No 3 a.m. wake up. Oh, thank God. Well, I, you know what? The worst <laughs> thing about it is that I normally... Watch because I, I love the build ups, right? Mm. Although they're not as good to be fair anymore mm. uh, at 12 30 to sort of one uh, to, to two, and then I, I sort of start the watch and then go, <sniffs> and I get bored. 
I'm always watching that first two laps and seeing what happens, and it settles down. There was a time this year with with Formula One where it was, oh, here we go, and the yep. mid, and the mid pack was. Now it's all settled down. I mean, yeah. Max, Max does everything right this weekend, and no one gets around him. He wins the whole thing. Yeah, he with does five rounds to go, which is the second fastest, I think. Michael Schumacher won it the fastest, I think, in like O two or something, six races to go, but. Um, yeah, I think you're right. At this, and it was sort of well, at the start. You had obviously that first race where both the Red Bulls fell out. Mm-hmm. Charles won, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Hey, Ferrari's going to be yeah, good this and, year." And I'm I'm a huge Ferrari fan. So am I, mate. I'm I'm aboard the uh, the horse. What do they call it? The the prancing horse. The prancing horse. Yeah, Ferrari. Um, Ferrari. Scuderia Ferrari. The, pro- the problem is that Ferrari. It hasn't even been um, the fact that Charles and um, Carlos have been slow. It's the attack. That the team strategy has been appalling. Ben- Benotto has oh. made an absolute cluster. But they've lost of at the least, season. Yeah, three or four races they've lost out of team and, strategy. And in all fairness to Daniel Ricciardo, you could say the same about yeah. McLaren and the car. Yeah, correct. I'm, I don't think I'm, the a cars, big, yeah. I'm a big Danny Rick fan, and we know he can drive. We know he can mm-hmm. win Grand Prix. Yep. Grand Prix. So I, I, I feel for him being dumped for Oscar Piastri. I just hope he doesn't miss a drive because it looks like the Alfa Romeo one's gone because Guangzhou has been re-signed. Uh, I'm still thinking Haas, maybe. because or, uh, that Latifi Williams or, has a spot now. Yeah, because they've got money behind them now. Mm-hmm. And there's still that Alpine job. The Alpine job is still not settled. Who will who will partner Esteban Ocon? Yeah, I mean it's it's. I think you're right. It's hard. They haven't had a fast car, but he's probably going to find that with those teams, right? He's not going to get himself in a car that's competitive. Yeah, I know. Really, match those top teams. But Singapore is great because it's a it's one of the nighttime um, Grand Prix. Ridiculous. Uh, I mm. see Valtteri Bottas was in a a sauna at a hundred degrees. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they've all been doing the sauna Naked. training. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for uh, Singapore. I remember getting off a plane when they didn't have. Uh, oh, listen to me. Something is that age thing again. When they didn't have jetways, you know, and what, was, airplanes or <laughs> <laughs> what do you call them? Or, um, Jet streams. No, the walkways into the plane. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Any, I know. Any, yeah, I know. Any, what you're anyway, talking about. and I remember just walking in and being hit by a wall of heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was 1977 August. The year I, I saw, died. I saw George Russell in a sauna on a bike. Just going hard on a bike. That's what Murph's been doing. Yeah, for for Bathurst. Anywho, um, so that's on. So look, if you want to get right in amongst it, you got practice um on Friday night, which starts at eleven thirty on Spark, goes into early Saturday morning, then got qualifying on Sunday morning at one a.m. and then you got your big race at eleven thirty at night. Is that is that race start at eleven thirty? Correct. Ooh. Uh, it's good. That, I think it is race start. I think it's race start at eleven thirty. I think it is. Oh. I'll tell you what, all you have to do is I just go here and I just go what is that? Singapore Grand Prix. And by the way, Curse of the Bambino is 86 years. 86 years. So 36 wouldn't hey, be bad. You, uh, let's retract because you are correct. 1 a.m. race time. Ah. So it's 11.30 build up on Spark. Still, for me, still doable. Mm. Yeah, still no, doable. it is. It's, be, it's better than, yeah, the, the 3, 4, 5 a.m. wake ups, which well, I, don't, I don't wake up. And there's, uh, there's another rally, uh, sorry, another Grand Prix coming up too that's it's one of those like 8 a.m. I think it must be an American one. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., I think, coming it'll, up. It'll, it'll, have they still got uh, Circuit of the Americas to race? Are they racing Circuit um, of the Americas? I haven't even got the... Yes, they do. They've got... Well, hold on. The Japanese Grand Prix is at 6 p.m. at oh, night. That's the one we That's like. fantastic. And then the U.S. Grand Prix is at 8 a.m. Yeah, and Mexican at 9 a.m. Is that... Circuit, oh, is and that then the Brazilian at uh, 7 a.m. Oh, it's a good time to be a Formula One fan, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's finally at a good time. What about Repco Rally New Zealand, buddy? Yeah, well, that's all on as well. Um, on Sparks, what, over the weekend? They've basically got everything. They've got... um. 
Well, they is had it, shakedown this morning. Is yep, it live? Yep, they had shakedown live this morning. They've got the opening ceremony at 5 o'clock, actually, uh, this afternoon. Uh, then we've got uh, live stage one at 6. And uh, so that's, that's going to be live on Spark. And then tomorrow, 8.15 in the morning, we've got stage two. Then we've got live stage three and four at 10. And then we've got stage five. So it's all, it is all on over the weekend, um, the on, Repco on, Rally. On, so on that's Spark Sport. All on Spark Sport. So look, I reckon it's a motorsport. Um, lover's dream this weekend. Um, if you want to dabble in something else, we've got NBA preseason on Sunday and we've got, of oh course, NFL on Monday. NFL. Yeah, who's yeah. your team again? Uh, Dallas. Right, we were, how are they doing? But two one and two? Two and two one. 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 CeeDee Lamb, one-handed. It's a close comp this year. Like, Eagles and the Dolphins are the only undefeated teams. Most teams, one and two, two and one. Fact, yeah. I was mm. about to say, there's a fact. There's people wanting to call and talk. Uh, 28 teams are either... Uh, Two and one, or something like that. Yeah. It's some ridiculous it's number. It's a tight comp. Like, who, who who would you pick at this stage? I don't know, but there's two calls. Can I actually answer them here? If Let's I see. push the button, can I just go click on that one and answer the calls? Or are they? Have you got oh, the? I tell you what, they're ringing in for show me the money. I'll tell you that much. For free. Oh, that's what yeah, they're doing. So they have to wait. Right. They have to wait. So break. I, I just think it's fascinating, and I'm not so sure about the Bucks, but I th- I'd like I'd like Dallas to do something, and they're running with Cooper Rush at QB, not mm. not old Dak. Because yeah, really, out for moment. I, I, it's really interesting year in the NFL. Generally, you can pick some teams early who are looking really good. I mean, last year the Bills went out to like a seven and zero start. I remember, um, but didn't eventually make the big dance. I still think it's going to be the big name teams are going to be there. The Bucks, the Chiefs, those guys are going to be, and the Rams will still be there, well, even though they've started the, the, poorly. The Smoky though, Miami three and zero. Yeah, I, but see, I don't get caught, don't get sucked in there. I don't know if that's a. Well, they've been waste. This is a, this is Tui, the QB's third season. They've mm. got to do something. And there's Jags with old long hair, Trevor Lawrence. Yes, and they got rid of Urban Meyer. Out of where did Trevor Lawrence come out of Tennessee? Where did he play his football? Out of college. Yeah, yeah. Was it, well, that Tennessee, Tennessee <laughs> University, or was it the? He's not a Longhorns guy, is he? Is he Longhorns? Texas why, Longhorns? Why there are there always some? Why is there always something negative? Singapore Gif One Grand Prix is such a bore. Tight track with very little chance of overtaking. We'll come down to Team Tech. So good luck with Ferrari. Oh, but it's like Monte Carlo, really. I mean, people have yep. talked about um, Monaco being Take- just a sprint race. Just uh, sorry, um, a timed like time trial. There are six sprint races next year. Oh, I saw that actually. Yeah, but there's there's people saying, why don't we just turn Monaco, keep it on the calendar because it's iconic, mm. but just have it as a time trial. So you're just racing against the clock. Almost like qualifying. Turn qualifying into a glorified time mm. trial. Flag the race because, really, it is just first yeah, nah. pole position matters. Yeah, nah. you've got to have a race. So, Max, I think there's all these sorts of like calculations going on. If Max finishes top, so um, if he finishes top, Charles has, has to, to be six, or six below. points or below. George, two a full points or below. Uh, I think he's still look, in there, but really, Max and wins. Chico as well. Max, Max he does anyway. So. But it's sort of oh, I don't want him to win it this weekend. But, you know, it's a bit too okay. Early. Be positive now. Be yeah, positive. It's all right. It's all coming on, on Ferrari, Spark Sport. Ferrari. All right, get in there. Go on. Uh, this month on Spark Sport, you can catch it all. Formula One, US Open, uh, Rugby Sevens, the World Cup and Champions League, and so much more. It is three forty. Now, do I do we ask people to play Show Me the Money? All right. So if you want to play Show Show me the money. Show me the money. 0800 150 Or mission all year round. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gal.nz. Mark Stafford kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Show you the money. That show you. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. <laughs> 
3.46, time to show me the money. Oh, you know what? I actually think I might try and search that up on wherever platform and, and watch that movie again. Jerry Maguire. I love it. It's a great film. Uh, it's a, it, is, it is one of the good ones. A bit like, uh, uh, what's the one of which we... Um, he calls it a game of inches. It's a game of inches. Any given Sunday. Any given Jenny. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Blow with your fingernails for that inch. <laughs> Great speech. <laughs> okay, get on with it. How, hey, do we, how do we do this? Well, I'll tell you what. Four legs, four leg multi. Now, usually we have a third person sitting in our producer's booth here, but uh, there's only us two. So oh, okay. we're going to get uh, Shane, who's on the line now from Lower Hut, to pick two legs today, Shane. You get two cracks at it, theoretically. Uh, welcome in, my friend. Yes, yes. How you going? We're doing well. We're doing well. I'm just going to boost your mic level yeah, a little bit there, Shane? mate. You might just want to get out of the pool. Oh, sorry. I'm just sitting in the car. You know? uh, are, you on, are you on speaker? You are. Do you, want it to, do you want to just take it off and put it on your handset? Because I think it's a lot clearer on a handset. I hate to be a, it's a little bit flaky. I'll wait. I'll be right? patient. Yeah, we'll be patient. We've got time. Oh, it's like waiting, mm. waiting for the, waiting suspense, for the, the suspense. The tension. Are you there, Shane? Are you on okay. here? Eh, it's okay. It's that'll do. Hey, that'll do. That'll, that'll do. do. Okay. okay. So we're going to kick it off. Um, I'll, t- I'll kick it off this week, shall I? Yep. And I'm going to go to uh, the Formula One. And I was tossing up, taking just Max head to head at forty, But I thought, I'm going to push the boat out a little bit. There's a power play. <laughs> there's a power play for Singapore that I am liking the look of. It's at $2.10. And it's Max Verstappen to get a podium finish, a one, two, or three. Charles Leclerc to finish in the top six. And George Russell to finish in the points at two dollars ten. Show me the money. Okay. As long as they don't crash, <laughs> I think that's pretty good. And the, high, the 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 likelihood of them crashing in Singapore would be higher than most tracks. There's a lot of concrete around. I there. know, but just keep it together, boys. Keep it together. Two dollars ten. Right, Stephen. Oh, we'll get Shane first. Hey, we get no, Sh- no, 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 no. Because Shane's going to pick the last two legs. Oh, okay. So we're going to uh, go to me you first. Simple. Uh, okay. We talked about this, you and I. Sean Lane to score a try any time during the grand final on Sunday night. On Sunday night for Parramatta. What's that running at? That's at five dollars fifty. You beauty. <laughs> That is, that's very you tasty. You like that, Shane? Yeah, not too bad. I've got a better one for you. Oh, that a boy, oh, Shane. That a boy. Come to the party. Come to the party. What do you got, fella? <laughs> uh, Man United Man City this weekend. Man United versus Man City. That is a yeah. ma- that is a massive call. It, it's at the Eddie Head as well, I think. A- and what's the bet? It's Man United to win, to beat Man City. Oh, Man United to win. That's a massive call. I'll tell you what, it's paying $7.50. How, big, the money. how big are your cojones? To, uh, they're pretty big. They're <laughs> okay. pretty big. Now, now, this, now uh, look, I'll just tell you right now, we're at $86 on the odds. So you can be a little bit conservative here, Shane, or you can swing for the fences. It's up to you. So what are you saying? Play the percentages, pal. What do you reckon? Uh, no, go for it. Better boy. What are you thinking? Uh, race seven, Hawks Bay, like Creek to win the Group One. Oh, the boys on the, the boys on breakfast were talking all about Lake Creek this morning. Is that tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday? No, it's Saturday. 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 Saturday afternoon. Is it at Rickerton Park? No, Hawks Bay. Oh, it's in Hastings. Sorry, he what Hawks race? I'm Hawks just trying to find it on uh, here. What race? race? <laughs> Sorry, race seven. I think it's paying about two seventy. Oh, I'm just following it here, and we're going to. La Clique, there it is. 240, mate. It's coming a little bit since you last checked. So, yep, right. uh, 240, I'll give it a little. Uh, Show me the money. So, uh, 240, going into Man United to beat Man City at 750. That's a long one. Uh, going into my Formula One power play at $2.10. Into Stephen McIver's Sean Lane at $5.50 to score any 
uh, try at any point in the match, I can tell you. Right now, $207.90 is the odds. If we put a $50 bonus bet on that... Oh, that's mint. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. I'll just place that. Uh, you stand to make a total, Shay, of $10,345. Bring it on. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. That That's good money. Uh, I'd expect... And if you win it, beers or on you. Well, I was going to say, if he wins exactly. it... You know, don't be afraid to slip a couple hundred your way. You know what I mean? It's 10K. It's 10K. Why not? You know, you could do it a couple of greenbacks. Oh, I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit, I'm a bit nervous about that man you man you. Do you know result. what's going to happen, eh? What? They'll all come in except for Sean Lane scoring a try. Oh, right. And we won't be able to hold you to account on Monday. Once, once again, the guy, the fill-in guy gets the rap. All right, Shane. Thanks very much for showing us the money, man. Good luck. Yeah, cheers, guys. All right, it's 3.51. For some good value fuel, gal.nz. Pick up the phone and jump in on the show. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 3.56 with Stephen McIver. Staffy will be back tomorrow from midday here on SENZ around Australia and New Zealand on the SEN or SENZ app. Uh, coming your way in the run home, Nathan Hindmarsh, of course, uh, been in a grand final, 2009, didn't win. So I'm sure the run home team would like to remind him of, of that. So that'll be that'll be a tough one. Was I mean, he in the 2009? No, 2009. But was he in the 2001 as well? The oh, one against the Knights? Or was that 04? Hmm. I think it was 01. I think he he's been in two. I think Heine, and never won one. Never won one. Which Man. he is constantly reminded by Brian <laughs> yeah. Fisher. So which is which is a tough one. Hey, you know what we didn't talk about today? Yeah. And we should have tried to at some stage. Was the whole Roger Tuivasa Sheik thing? So on on the breakdown on Sky, apparently J.K. Sir J.K. mentions the whisperers that the Roosters have put a contract on his table mm-hmm. on the table. Said, "Come on back, mate, because mm. you've only had two tests. You're not starting." And with all that cap space, the Roosters have, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I was the Dolphins, I would be jumping on there straight away. Gee, yeah. I'd be saying, "Mate, come and live in a lovely part of the world, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll pay you a million. What you yeah, potentially? Probably. What you yep. potentially? Although it's probably it might have been spent on Cameron Munster already. Although they can't get him till twenty twenty four. So I would I'd be taking Roger Tuivasa-Sheik now because I and the, it was brought up quite cleverly by Paul Kent. He was saying, if you're an elite athlete. You want to be playing at the highest level. Now, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik is 29, mind you, so is James Tedesco. But time it start to be running out soon, right? And if you're not, a, if you're fourth, fifth, sixth choice in that in that midfield, and I know Izzy's calling from going to the wing, which I think is a great idea. But if you're not going to be a regular first choice, why why bother? No, I you know, why he, bother? If you had said to Roger when he was playing rugby league. You can make a switch to Union, but you're not going to go to the World Cup with the All Blacks. He, he wouldn't would, have done it. Correct. He wouldn't have done it. And and the, real, the the reality is, you're looking at it now. You're saying he's probably not going to the World Cup as it stands. Well, so well, is it? As, you know, well, I, I don't know what contracts say. Can you write that stuff into well, contracts? I think, I think I don't know. I think the contract would have said, and this is speculation, obviously. I, w- I think the contract would have said that you're going to make the team as he has. Right? He's made squads and he's done training camps, but they haven't been playing him. And I wonder if it's almost a bit of a contract thing that they have to pick him because he part of the reason for the switch was guaranteed. Knowing his mindset, I think he would be disappointed. Yeah, of course. That he hasn't he hasn't totally. made the grade and hasn't transitioned as quickly as he would have liked. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, he, he, COVID was a curveball for him big time, right? But I, I think I reckon that. It's not. I don't like to use the word experiment. I don't think it's experiment because he is an elite player. 
totally elite player. Why but he should be back playing NRL. Why doesn't he just play for the Warriors and be selected for the All Blacks from there? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, Kill Turner's back. Because I'm, we still, need a fullback. I'm still dirty that we got Chance Nickel Clocks. Well, back. yeah, but. How fit and healthy is he going to stay as well? Oh, that's a bit harsh. He was. He's been pretty. He's been pretty. I'm a chance fan. I am, but he's, you know, he's I'm fragile. Just, I'm just saying. I don't think the RTS rugby move works out. No, I, I, I'm in your I camp suggest, there, mate. I suggest he ends up back playing NRL where he should have stayed and not gone for the filthy lucre or the idea of wearing the black jersey. So what you're saying is Dallium 2023, Roger Dewey, <laughs> No, I don't know. Because, you I'll know buy what? into it. Because someone else will come along like in any overball sport and they will be the next superstar. That's me done, the run home with Kirsten Beeb coming your way after four o'clock. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the help, man. And looking after me today along with Jake, who's buggered off. But there you go. Uh, so it's Manaya Kirsten Beeb with the run home featuring Nathan Hindmarsh today. Don't forget, if you want to have a chat with them 0800 150811 or the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. Have a great Thursday evening. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.